You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we take the world's most complicated sport and learn how to simplify it down and simplify your own life through the process and get things done. This is a really special episode because we have a Galveston double whammy going on here. Not only do I go do Galveston and give you all about how I did in my awesome bike wreck, <laughs> I should say spectacular bike wreck, but we have Angela Nath on the show giving us an interview with uh, how the race went and then also especially uh, what she's doing leading into Ironman Texas which is really cool because I'm doing that race too pretty soon and a whole lot of you are doing that race pretty soon. So the whole 70.3 uh, as, a, as a race tune-up uh, going into your big Ironman. You know, how do you handle that? What do you do? And how did Angela uh, handle the race and yeah, how she's going to tackle that 70.3 or that uh, 140.6. So yeah, great show. I am excited to be here with you. Every few episodes, I should introduce myself because we get new listeners all the time. I'm a 13, I believe. It's hard to remember sometimes. Uh, let's say 13 uh, Ironman distance uh, completer, finisher. And I've uh, done a whole bunch of halves and sprints and all that kind of good stuff. Came from a swimming background, uh, all-around sports background, and then got into mountain biking, and then surfing, and then triathlon as I got more and more landlocked. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, been here doing this stuff a long time. I also do ultra marathons, uh, which is 50 and 100 milers, and then, although I've only completed one 100 miler, but a whole bunch of 50, 100, uh, 50 milers and... Also, uh, I've done some marathon swimming as well, which is a lot of fun and really cool. So before we get into Angela's show, Angela's interview, let's talk a little bit about some triathlon news. Here we go. So the biggest thing that we need to talk about that might affect you is that Trek, the big American bike manufacturer, recalled somewhere around a million bikes. And what's going on is if you have, I believe if you have a disc brake on the front, uh, there's a way that the quick release lever or lever, depending on where you're from, uh, can get caught in the uh, disc if the lever comes undone. Now, should it come undone? No, of course it shouldn't. And if it did come undone, what would happen? Your front wheel would probably fall off and you'd fly off anyway. But uh, there's a chance that the lever can come loose. Um, because it's not tightened down right, and then if it does, it can actually get caught in the disc brake and then uh, catch in the disc brake and just send you uh, catapulting over the top. And it actually seriously injured somebody, and it's a really quick fix. They probably just take your skewer and turn it around the other way. <laughs> but if you have a Trek, uh, check into this, or if you know somebody with a Trek uh, with a disc brake on the front, check into it and see if you can take care of it. Also, we have... 
a big news announcement from the Middle East. The Bahrain 13 is a big triathlon sports team that's just come on the scene. I think they got Jan Ferdino on there. And it started by the Prince of Bahrain. And I learned something that I didn't know. The Prince of Bahrain missed Kona qualification by one spot. That's pretty cool. That It's not good that he missed it, but that's pretty cool that uh, he's that good of a triathlete. That's, that's pretty amazing. So that means that he is really, really into it to be that good. <laughs> So check that out. You'll see a whole bunch of that stuff and all the all the triathlon news. And uh, the triathlon news that that I tend to stick to is uh, triathlon.competitor.com and uh, slow twitch. And occasionally I go over and visit Tri Rig and and some other places like that. But between those, I, oh, and DC Rainmaker. Between those, you can uh, find pretty much links to anything else that's going on. And Let's see. Uh, Scratch Labs came out with some... Somebody sent me this link. It's pretty neat. Have some chews. Uh, good for hot days. And um, I got some Scratch Lab stuff from Tawny. She sent me a care package. And uh, <clears throat> basically what it is, it's pretty low calorie. Uh, and then you add that to your water and it makes your water... Uh, it makes your body want to absorb the water more. So it turn. The fact that there's uh, just a slight amount of sugar in your water makes your body act more like a sponge and ready to pull that, that water in. So it helps you hydrate better. So that's, that's the whole deal behind Scratch Lab. So uh, check them out. And I think that's it. Oh, later in the show when I'm doing the whole training log bit and I'm talking about... Uh, oh, we're cruising around the, uh, the transition areas and stuff. And... The, uh, the day before the race, Galveston 70.3, we um, do a nice interview with Diamond. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Man, their bikes look really, really nice. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with Angela and how Galveston 70.3 went. And here we go. Welcome to the next level. Angela. Hi, how are you? Are you there? I'm here. <laughs> so how are you enjoying the woodlands? Have um, you been there before? Yeah. No, actually this is my first time. Uh, the only places I've been in Texas have been Austin briefly and Galveston. So. Oh, that's yeah. it? Oh, wow. Yeah, Texas is really different every place you go. So now you're in the pint. We're already recording, I should warn you. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> I'm just turning you up here. Oh, that's, no, no, that's okay. The um, <clears throat> the woodlands is really pine foresty and kind of flat. Mm-hmm. It's not at all like what people think Texas looks like. Yeah, you know... Um, the two places I've been, Austin and Galveston, are very, very different, obviously. And when I got here, my first impressions were I thought it was all fake because I didn't realize there were so many trees in one one small area. Uh-huh. Um, so I had to ask my homestay, actually. <laughs> it was kind of like one of those <laughs> fake communities. But No, it's real. I grew up in um, the woodlands, uh, the, I don't know if you call it a competitor to the woodlands, but Kingwood which is on the, Woodlands is on the northwest side and Kingwood is on the northeast side. And they're both heavily forested, super master planned communities 
that seem to go on and on and on. And with um, Kingwood has like 150 miles of paved bike path going mm. through all those pine forests. Mm. Yeah, it's really really neat. Actually, once you get once you kind of figure it out, it's actually pretty cool. Mm. So very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, you <laughs> just did. Uh, you just did Galveston, and I, I saw you there, which was super cool. Yeah. And very- not only did I see you, but you ran by me like I was standing still, which was awesome. By the way, I I cheered for you, but you ran. I was telling uh, Paul that you ran by me so fast that I I couldn't come up with something to say very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, uh. uh a- Angela, <laughs> go! I guess I think is that Angela. Okay, oh, she's gone. I guess I should have said something. I do. Re- I, I, I do remember passing you, um, <laughs> but funny. I was focused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could say. Well, you need to be. Yeah, I no. Like, um, and another funny one is Andy Potts ran by me, and I've never been in a race with Andy Potts. Mm. And coming from a swim background, you know, he's kind of like I'm like, and he's kind of taller, you know. So I'm like, yeah. I can, uh, I can. He's he's an inspiration a little bit. And so he started running up, and I go, holy shit, it's Andy Potts. (laughs) And he's like, he just stayed focused. You know, he kept on going. And I go, go, Andy, go. I didn't even know who he was chasing because when I got on the course, that person was in front of me, and Andy was chasing him. Yeah. It's a great course in that sense that, you know, you do the three loops, and you can see everybody. And even if they're a few waves ahead of you, um, you can run alongside them. I know when I started my first lap, I was with the men actually um, yeah. for their second lap. So right, it was always kind of fun because you can try to use them to pace yourself or or vice versa. So yeah, yeah awesome. When I talk to people about that course, I I tell them about how actually that is one of the coolest race races to do. Because as an age grouper, you see the pros a lot. You see them on the out and back on the bike, which is really neat. And then on the run, if, you, uh, if you're if you lucky, you'll see them on a loop or two of the run. Mm. And, um, and if you have family and friends coming to support you, they can see you many times out on the run. It's actually really neat. Because yeah. there's, yeah, those out and backs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, I really like the out and backs as well. Not only for the cheering and stuff, but also because you could really see, see where you are in the race and you could tell exactly if you're losing yeah. or gaining time. And um, yeah. I just love loop courses. Yeah, they're yeah. very, very cool. Last year I was racing a friend and he was gaining on me and I knew it from the out and backs. So I was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> he's closer. He's closer. Yeah. Um, uh not not to harp on the on the pros going off course because that's its own thing, <laughs> the guys. But it, it somebody somebody said something I thought was pretty cool, and it made me think it was an idea. But I thought I'd ask you, um, mm-hmm. what do you think? Somebody said that at a marathon for some World Games in their hometown that mm-hmm. they painted a line on the pavement, you know, with chalk or maybe with paint. I don't know. They painted with with chalk and then um the the leaders know which way to go uh and i was like that's actually a really cool idea you know Mm -hmm. Um, so then that way you just follow the line and i know that like in towns where they do like a dogwood trail you know like where you follow the trees in the spring that are blossom and you want to see them all 
You know, mm-hmm. they, they paint like something on the street well, and kind of like a bike lane, you know, you have like paint in the street. Um, how does that, if you were a pro, if you, <laughs> if, it, uh, as a pro, you're running along and you don't, you don't see anybody in front of you. Do you, um, would something on the pavement like that, you know, yeah, be a welcome site? Totally. You know, like the more there is out there, the better, obviously. Um, I know in Galveston, they put a ton of arrows and it was very well marked. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it was very well marked. So I think in their situation, it was an, an unfortunate circumstance with someone telling them an opposite way. Yeah. But if it was like a follow line, like a follow, like a follow car, or like even when you're swimming in a lane pool, you know, you have that line to follow you and you just don't have to really think. Um, there's been times I've been off course. Um, actually, I think it was 2010, 2011 at 70.3 Worlds. It was kind of the same thing. I was on the bike. And one of the bike, um, motorbike guys, I don't know if it was a photographer or what, but he turned left and we were supposed to go straight. Mm-hmm. So I followed the car. I mean, I followed the motorbike left and went about a mile off course. And, um, so that really kind of ruined the whole race. I got back on and, and finished and such, but. You know, right. it, that's a lot of extra mileage. Oh, it totally sucks. And, <laughs> and when you're racing, people people forget that when you're racing, you you are such on the edge of of, of a clear mind. You know mm. that it is so easy to make mistakes at Wildflower, which is and I'm it couldn't be more clearly marked. I managed to go the wrong way down a chute, uh, the exit chute on the bike for you know mm. twenty feet. Until I hit somebody going the other way. And then uh, at the SOS triathlon, you don't see the transition area. Um, you start on the bike and then you bike to a destination and your family and friends take your gear bag to that parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't ever see that parking lot. And I'm from out of town, right? So I never saw the parking lot. Mm. And I remember getting to the transition area and then changing into my, it's a bike and then a run and then a whole bunch of other stuff. And then I remember standing there and then just yelling to the people around me, which way do I go? And everybody just stood there and stared at me. Mm. And I said, no, which way do I go? <laughs> they All of a sudden they go, oh, this guy doesn't know which way to go. You go that way. And they all pointed towards the back, the the opposite way of where I would have imagined to go. And then I took off going that way um how did your um you got a bike sponsor with scott which is super cool and i love that bike um so how's it how's the bike working out for you oh it's it's been wonderful you know um it comes with two different types of stems one that's a little higher and it comes with more more like bells and whistles that way you can put that front end drink system on it um with the higher stem, but unfortunately I need the lower stem. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's absolutely awesome. I love it. I love the color and you know, it's just smooth. It's a, it's a good bike. I saw that you said something about, I think you said that it accelerates or it climbs really well. Did you say that? Um, I just felt like it had more, more maneuverability. Like, um, I haven't been on too many bikes. I've been on maybe four or five and, By far, this is one of the best ones that I've been on. Yeah. Um, so, kind of, that's what I was. That's what I was chatting about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looked good. It looks like, so, gosh, it looks so stealthy. It's so awesome looking. So, I saw out on the bike. Well, I was actually looking at your times, and um, you did the swim around like twenty nine, I think. 
Yep. Which is just nice and cruising along. And um, how tall are you, by the way? How tall am I? I'm five five, five and a five and a half on a good day. Yeah. So I'm six foot three with like six foot seven arm span, and I swam like a twenty nine, and it just blows my mind <laughs> that somebody because with at your height and your arm span that like you could do that, you know, and it's not. It's just amazing that uh, because it's such it's such a, an assumption that you have to be tall, you know. To oh, um, I never heard that assumption. Oh no! Like you see Phelps and these other guys and Ian Thorpe, they're all like six foot yeah. six. It's kind of like basketball. Everybody's like, well, you got to have tall. You got to be a tall body and long arms. But over mm-hmm. the years, as I've gotten older, and I've met just exceptional swimmers, it seems to be like um, uh, like not a thing at all. And the yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I saw your swim time was, was uh, 29 minutes. It definitely needs work. <laughs> I, you know, maybe. I wasn't happy with it. I, I wasn't happy with it, but um, yeah. you know, it is what it was. It was a tough week. Um, but overall, it was good. You know, yeah. I, was, I was with a lot of women, and um, I never look at times, really. You know, you look at the race itself and who's in the race. And Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I, I don't. race to race, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't either. It's kind of like uh, you never know about a course, what's slowing you down. Exactly, speed yeah. And then, um, let's see. And you're trying, you're trying to compare to people that grew up, like, with competitive swimming. And, and there's just such a background there. It's, it takes a long time to catch up with that, with those not 10,000 hours of swimming, but probably 20,000 <laughs> hours yeah, exactly. of swimming and experience. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it really, when did you start swimming competitively like this? Uh, just when I started triathlon. So that was what, 2007? Yeah, it's amazing. I, I'm, I'm actually, I, I see 29 minutes and I'm like, wow, that's from a non-swimming background is actually really impressive. And, and then... Um, and then room to grow, right? Because the other girls are showing that it can be done even faster. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're out there training. Are you training with the um, – there's a group that trains out of the – I think it's out of the Woodlands, right? Mm, there's a few groups here. Uh, well, yeah. I just got here yesterday, so I'm with um, Outrival Racing this morning. Okay. Um, my coach is, is part of that. Um, I think with you too, and uh, then so there's Magnolia Masters, I yeah, believe. That's a group uh, and I, I yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up with them here shortly as well. So, they're coaching and and um, seems to be like spot on with yeah, tips and tricks to get faster. They're yeah, cool. really elite crew too. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, let's see on the bike. I didn't I didn't catch you coming back. Although it was super cool uh, being racked near the pro rack, and so when I was uh, I was standing. Next, outside of the transition area with Kai, my son. He's 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I would have met him. Oh. That was cool. He was standing with me at the um, at the award ceremony. Did you see the little blonde kid kind of yes, hanging actually, around? Yeah, yeah, that's... I do recall now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my clone. He's <laughs> he, <laughs> he looks just like me. It's pretty funny. Um, so we were standing uh, next to the transition area. We'd already racked our bikes. And he said, what are we doing? And I said, nothing. We're just hanging. Just to see if any pros come by. And then... Uh, maybe we'll see one and then I'll tell you who they are. And, um, I couldn't recognize any of the guys. And, um, then I saw somebody that looked kind of like you and I was like, I wonder if that's Angela Nath. And he said, is it, is it Angela Nath? 
Oh, and I said, after a while, you kind of messed with your bike, and then you walked off for a while, and then you came back or something, and then I was like, yeah, I think that's Angela Nath. And uh, he's like, oh, cool. You know, so he saw you. And um, that that's really neat. You know, people are watching. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, a, a, I think a lot of people don't know who the pros are, but then a lot of people definitely know, and they're watching and kind of talking under their breath like, holy crap. <laughs> that's Lionel Sanders or that's Angela Nath. <laughs> and um so let's see on the bike how did you feel about the bike? I thought uh the bike ride was actually pretty decent. Yeah, you know, it was a good bike course. When I did it in 2010, they didn't have all those um turns and uh, oh yeah, that, that little part from the airport like there was a bunch of turns this time. Yeah. Or it just kind of went straight out to that main road. Mm-hmm. Um but I like that cuz it 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 provided a little bit of a variety. Um but I like the out and back, you know, it's just you just have to go hard the entire time and mm-hmm. um yeah, it was it, it was good. There was kind of a headwind for us anyway. Um on the way back it seemed. Uh, yeah, there was for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah, but it's nice. It's good. I like it. I'm surprised. Like, I wish I would have done the cor- the the race a few more times because um, I only did it that one year and then this year. So I think I'll be, I'll be back next year. Yeah, I think it's a well – when I think of the Galveston race, I think it's a very well-executed race. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It just yeah. seems like I have – no. the only complaint I have is, you know, coming off of the, the asphalt to the airport runway, there's a huge – series of nasty potholes and stuff and i managed to wreck on it this year and but i've seen people wrecking on that year after year after uh-huh. year and that mm-hmm. that is literally the only thing that i don't like about the race everything else seems to be just spectacular about oh, the, yeah, how they definitely. organize it yeah i'm i'm lucky enough to um have a have a really good homestay there we met mm-hmm. back in 2010 and you know it's been five years since i've seen them and uh my husband and i Paul, we stayed with them all for about three days or so, and it was just such a blast. You know, it was fun. It's it's just a really good community. He knows a ton of people, and so yeah. we all had a really good time. Cool. Okay, so we are. Um, I'm glad to have you on because uh, one of the things that's happening is we're doing the same races. Uh-huh. You got uh, Ironman Texas coming up, and I do too. And I thought it was interesting that um, a lot of people will train for an Ironman. And do nothing leading up to the Ironman, right? Uh, A lot of age groupers. And they're like, I got to train, I got to train, I got to train. And here is a pro like yourself. And Rachel Joyce was just on, and she's doing um, St. George, Mm -hmm. 70.3. So what is it, uh, what did you get out of doing a half Ironman that made you want to do one uh, this close to the full Ironman? Well, I actually wanted to do St. George, but my coach said no. <laughs> it's in my backyard, so yeah, it's sure. just it would, be, it would just make sense to do that one, and plus it's a big race. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next best one was Galveston, and so that's why I kind of chose that one. But his um, he feels you know three weeks before an Ironman is perfect timing um, yeah. for a good hit out, and so I just listen to my coach and, and say yeah. okay. <laughs> so. so- um, That's about the scientific knowledge that I know about it or that I care to understand. <laughs> yeah. I would say the humidity training and then getting down here and just moving up to up to Houston is not a bad idea for sure. Yeah. I mean, here. Yeah, exactly. We decided, like, he wanted me to acclimatize 
to the humidity, which, you know, I don't find it that, that hard. And maybe it's just because I love it. Yeah. Um, but the heat in tech, I mean, in Vegas right now is 15 to 20 deg- degrees higher. And so I feel like it's cold here. <laughs> well, we just had a cold front come through. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what everyone's been saying. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll get really ugly really quick. <laughs> yeah. I see that now. And then, you know, a week later, I'll be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It gets pretty, it's just like a heavy blanket, like just sitting on yeah. top of you and you can't breathe. You can't do anything. It's, it's amazing. Um, all right. So what's your, uh, without giving away too much. <laughs> Oh, I can what? give away everything. I don't have much to hide. Yeah, what's um? I don't know. You know, I don't know how, the strategies and stuff. What's the um? Let's see. Uh, Houston, uh, the Woodlands race is mm-hmm. going to be. I mean, this is going to be such an epic race with the with the people that are showing up. It's national championships. If you win this, you get automatic qualification to Kona, right? You do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I'm imagine that's got to be you know at least a, some kind of a goal, right? If not, if not podium to get as many points as you can, Definitely. and yeah, and and then, um, but at the same time, because it's a national or a regional championship. You've got people like like we just said, Rachel Joyce coming, mm-hmm. and um, and I know on the guy side a whole bunch of you know the the A squad is going to show up. Um, so what are you are you going to lay it like all on the line like the entire race? Or are you gonna are you gonna um, try to play a chess game and kind of see as it goes along? Or what, what? I'm just throwing things out there. Like how are you approaching this race? Um, well, I'm just approaching it from my personal, um, kind of boundaries, I guess you could say, you know, I, I don't even know who's racing. I know there's a few people racing the ones that you mentioned. Um, but I never really pay attention to it, I guess, cause it's such a long race that you just have to do your own thing. And, you know, I'm obviously aware that they're there and I'm, I'm aware of who, um, of who's who on race day and, and, and that, but, you know, from my experience, I've only done three Ironmans and you know my goals are to nail those personal goals I have of mine and if that puts me out in front then for sure but I'll definitely you know I'm out there and I'm gonna give it a hundred percent effort no matter what so um it all depends what happens on race day but I don't go in with any intentions or thought process on on my competitors because realistically um I have no control over them so it doesn't matter who's on the start list really so if you, let's say one, I overbiked this race because as I got out on the race course, mm-hmm. I managed to, I got very gradually passed by a guy that was just slightly faster than me. Mm-hmm. And then after he got out, our distance is 32 feet, um, 10 meters, Okay. I think. Yeah. 10 yeah. meters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, after he got about 10 meters out. I could I could still feel just the tiniest bit of a draft off of him, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to park myself here, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I was using this guy for a long time, a long time, like a third of the of the bike portion, maybe not up to half, maybe about a third before he finally dropped me. Um, would you Would you do that, or uh, because I ended up finding out that 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 was still too much for me. You know, like I, I was racing off of other people mm-hmm. instead of doing my own race. So would you even uh, try to stay with a pack or would you totally just go on your own? Um, I guess it depends where and when the situation is. 
Um, I know that's all like, it's all like a risk reward thing. So every time I'm racing, I'm looking at, you know, if I'm going with this pack or whoever's there, or I'm trying to chase a pack or, or what have you, is the risk of me doing that and me going over my, my, my ideal race plan, I guess, um, is that going to benefit me more? So it's kind of, I have to go through those factors as I race. So, you know, I think about the race scenarios and, and such, but, um, in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, um, if you're, if you're more consistent over time, I think that's the key. So rather than, you know, blowing yourself for 20 miles to, to figure things out, um, with whoever is racing, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably better to, to keep kind of that even keel and, and that. So, um, that's kind of like my my go to, you know, is just to find that that wattage that I know I can min- maintain um, for 112 miles and mm-hmm. and go from there. So, I, do you? Do you it's call- not really answering your question. No, I mean it kind of does. What what I've noticed over, you know, uh, I've been told this um, that that women um, are more. We're just smarter. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's always women saying that, so I take that with a grain of salt. But the uh, no, that women plan and are more rational. And mm. Everybody's nodding their head with that. Both sides are nodding their head with that, and um, that, and of course, testosterone makes guys more risk taking. And um, so, do you think that? Do you think? But it's also a little bit cultural and kind of where you come from and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there's, I, I remember reading this thing that in women dominated societies, there's a few of them where the women run everything, like Mm. in some tribal stuff that the women are actually risk taking and the guys are more, um, the planners and the, and the rational ones. It's really odd because you would think it would be universal, but it's weird. Um, but do you think that, um, and it's kind of down to the individual too, but do you think in general that the women racers, would be more of the meth- uh, methodical, like planning out, and that the guys do the the guys tend to do the more, you know, like I'm going to try to catch that person and not let them pass me, kind of thing. Um, I don't know if it's more of a planning process, but I think it's just kind of like that ego thing. Like, uh, um, in my experience, you know, if there's a bunch of guys uh, training together, yeah, they go a lot harder than if a bunch of gals were training together. Although. You know, I went to a training camp in February, and we were all quite competitive. Yeah. Um, so I think it has to do possibly with just the makeup of a male and female for sure, yeah. um, you know, um, in just a general sense. But I don't know. There's been times, you know, I, I throw I, I throw the plan out the window and, and just go for it just because I feel like I need to. And um, But... I'm not sure how, if like everybody's like that. That's for sure. I think a difference is, is you have a plan to throw out the window. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because when I raced 70.3s, which obviously I still do, I never yeah. really planned anything. Um, I work with Jesse now for a little over half a year, and uh-huh. um, he's very methodical, and he gives me specific numbers and stuff, and it's been really helpful. I've learned a lot, um, and it's been very helpful for Ironman. Right. Um, since my last one. Um, and so, uh, 
you know, now to have these numbers and a plan and kind of see what I can do, I put it into context and it's, it's been, it's been a good process for me because you can really push yourself. Um, a lot of the times I, I would go out on the bike and just go hard and go as hard as I can. And a lot of that time, you know, I would end up the last 20 miles of the bike going a lot slower than I was basically at the beginning of the bike. And you don't want to do that. Right. Um, and so, um, it's been a learning process for me, even in it, in a sense, to have that plan and to stick to that plan uh, so you can run fast off the bike. Yeah, I've noticed that uh, it's two different things. Like, the, definitely the longer the race, the more the more planning you have to have and the more actually restrictions you have to have on yourself so you don't do something stupid, like go too fast or go too hard. It's not like I'm going to – I need to – in a short race, you know, like I don't want to – I need to go at least this heart rate or higher or this many watts. But in a long race, it's more like I need to stay under these mm. numbers. Mm. And then also I've noticed the faster and more powerful you get at the same distance, you can start like being more risky. So um, at a half Ironman, um, since I've gotten faster, I can be a little bit more gambling, you know? than I used to be a long time ago where mm-hmm. I, I used to have to, you know, kind of act like a, like it's an Ironman, have to like set all kinds of limits to not do this and not do that or else I'm going to ruin my day. That makes sense. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. I think that's the key for an Ironman. You know, you just have to, you have to really look at what you can do for five hours on a bike or so. Yeah. Um, and really push the, push it to the limit. You know, that, that last, 30 to 40 miles on the bike should still be extremely hard. Um, and if you went too hard out in the front end, then you won't even be able to push that back end. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of pacing and, and, and having that kind of upswing at the back end. Yeah. So I, I got a question with all your experience in the past of dealing with, um, uh, Maffetone heart rate. Um, this, this idea that once you go over a certain heart rate that you're, you're pretty much burning matches. I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. And tell me if I'm wrong, because you might be, or should be, could be <laughs> more familiar with it than I am. And then uh, um, on the on the bike and on the run, but mostly on the bike, are you finding that you're, especially for like an Ironman, that you stay under a certain heart rate, no matter, almost no matter what? And that you find that if you go over a heart rate, or do you, do, or that it's, that it's detrimental to your run or do you do it more by power by what? Um, I still go by heart rate definitely. And I use power as well. I kind of use both of them. I know what I can sustain for a certain amount of time. Uh-huh. Um, looking at heart rate and also power, but heart rate plays a huge role because it, you can see the stress of the heat, the stress of nutrition. Um, so, you know, I, I use heart rate primarily in terms of <clears throat> kind of, the basis. Yeah. And then when, um, for me anyways, sometimes it's hard to maintain that heart rate or get up to heart rate. Yeah. So I use it kind of as um, a goal and then also power at the same time. Um, but there's always a heart rate cap, definitely, um, no matter what. You said nutrition stress. So do you think that, what do you mean by that? Like taking on too much nutrition stresses well, yeah, out your heart yes, rate? Yeah, exactly. If you're taking on too much nutrition and you're not digesting it, that can cause changes in your heart rate. If you're dehydrated, your your heart rate gets higher. Um, you know, it's all just a good balance that you have to play. And 
and make sure that you're well hydrated, that you're digesting everything that you're taking in because otherwise, you know, your, your whole system's under stress and, and that's going to increase your heart rate. I don't think anybody has ever uttered the words nutrition stress that I know of. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you talked about that before? <laughs> I think that's amazing. Talked about it? Oh, um, I guess. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. No, but like that phrase, nutrition stress, because people, they overfuel, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it causes all kinds of effects. It stresses out your body. That's a perfect way to describe yeah. it. Well, just like everything you do with your body is a stress. Like any outside things... Like the heat, dehydration, food, mm -hmm. um, fatigue, all those are stressors. Um, so you have to look at all those and um, try to minimize the effects that, that it has to the body. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So let's say that um, you have a great day out there and you, you rock Ironman Texas and let's say you win it. So then what's your, what would you do between now uh, Ironman Texas and Kona? Well, I would definitely party, <laughs> eat a lot, and have a lot of chocolate. Um, yeah. like, have a good little downtime to reset things. Like, how long would you take off? Well, I'd have to talk to my coach about that, but yeah. <laughs> um, probably a couple weeks at least. Um, a couple. Weeks. It just depends. I'd you take know? off like two months. That'd be yeah. great. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I would. I would definitely be stoked. You know, having having the ability to have a free ticket, kind of basically to Kona without having to worry about points is yeah. This early sweet. too. You know, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um. So, but I'm but I'm sitting quite well in point system right now. You know, I think I think if I have a really good race, um, it should it, it should fare well. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're you're really rocking along. So the the um the Iron the Ironman Chattanooga counted. It did, yeah. So that was oh, right. the yeah. first Ironmans that counted. Um, so that was so that's a good bonus for me, definitely. Yeah, yeah. that's great. If people want to listen to that, they can go back. I, I think I interviewed you after Chattanooga. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's a good it race. Was, oh, it was phenomenal. I would love, absolutely love to go back there. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if I'm doing Kona, then uh, that's not the case. But it's just a phenomenal. Um, community like the mm -hmm. whole town shut down it seemed there was so much cheering out on that course it's yeah it was awesome yeah i i grew up around that area and that's like the perfect size town to live in it's so happy everybody's mm -hmm. it's so wonderful it's on a river the mountains every i mean it's just wonderful um all right so uh what it did did uh paul catch you out on the race course at all did you see each other out there running oh yeah we saw each other we you know, we always play play games with each other, but uh -huh. uh, that was actually our first race we completed uh -huh. together. Um, so it was really fun. When I started my second lap, he was just coming out onto his first, and I yelled at him, but he didn't see me. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then one out and back, we yeah. saw each other. Oh, cool! I just stared at him the entire way as he toward <laughs> me, and. I don't know if he recognized me at first, but uh -huh. then as soon as like I was maybe five feet, then he just started screaming at me to go. Yeah. Um, but he saw me on the bike as well. So it was just so much fun because we saw each other. And then when I finished the race, I went out and cheered for him. And, and yeah. uh, it was fun. It was definitely it's – a, it's a race where, you, you know, if you have a lot of people out there, um, you can see each other a number of times. And, uh -huh. and that makes it fun. Yeah. So I hung out with him a little bit at the um – at the awards ceremony, mm -hmm. and uh, isn't he? <laughs> he? I was gonna say he is really good looking. 
Yeah, that's what everyone says. I yeah, guess. I was oh. like, "Whoa, holy cow, <laughs> that's dude!" This why dude, I married him. This oh, guy God. could be a model or something. He's like, beauty. He could be a hand model, like a hand model. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm but the um, no, he's like, and I was like, "Whoa, that's Paul! Wow, dude, good job, and." <laughs> and then uh, the um, and then he got attacked by immediately got attacked by fire ants. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, you gotta watch out for." You that. know, I've heard I've heard about those fire ants, but I've never seen them or or experienced them. Oh, but. you know what? Wherever you're staying right now, if you walk out, have the people you're staying with just walk you outside and start pointing out the mounds. And actually, hmm. you need actually, Angela, you need to be very aware of these things because they, these can um, give you a staph infection and oh, right. uh, put you in the hurt locker for a while, which actually could affect your race. So they're, they look like little sand piles outside. When my <laughs> brother and I moved from up north down south when we were little kids, my brother went and played in an ant mound thinking it was sand <laughs> oh, wow. and then got just eaten up by them. The fastest way to get them off of you is to uh, spray yourself with water of some kind to get <laughs> them off. Um, which you'll, they swarm instantly, and they're pretty small. And they just start biting and stinging. They do both. They bite and sting, and they um, they mess you up. And then the um, where they bite you turns into little white pustules, um, and that's that staph. Like fun. That's staph <laughs> infection all over where they bite you, <laughs> and uh, you really need to take care of that. And they are everywhere. There's a there's a mound. If if they were left, you know, to their own devices, mm-hmm. there would be a mound every ten feet. Uh, and so somebody that doesn't, uh, keep them out of their yard, um, it's really easy to walk around Texas and step Mm -hmm. in a, you talking to somebody, you said something about like a barbecue or something like that. Mm -hmm. You're sitting out there talking to somebody. The next thing you know, your whole, both feet just covered in fire ants, just Mm -hmm. biting you like crazy. Well, luckily in, in, uh, around here, there seems to be a lot of water. So I'll just jump in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's 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 alligators. (laughs) Well, cool. Well, thanks for being on the show. And oh, yeah. um, did, did, I, did I leave anything out? Anything you want to mention? Uh, big props <laughs> to your coach. That's, yeah. Uh, doing such a good job. I'm a big fan of his, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's been fun to work with, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He keeps me on my toes. And that training camp seemed to be uh, pretty kick-butt. Yeah. You know, I haven't been to a training camp since, uh, well, Way up when 2010, I think, or 2009. Mm-hmm. So I usually do a lot of training on my own or with Paul um, and just some small groups for swimming. But um, it was just a blast, you know, to have, I don't know, I think there was like 30 of us at one point or 20 of us. And, you know, it was just, it was fun to just have everyone that's strong and, and, and to ride together. Um, at first I was a little nervous cause, because I don't train with people. And so I didn't know what to expect. And yeah. You know, it was above and beyond. It was it was awesome. Like you have to have the organization definitely and and that's what Jesse had and so that was just a really it was awesome experience. Yeah. You know, um I was telling Paul that uh for swimming, the one thing when I look back and I think about it, um the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about uh the squad training and swimming, what actually works and makes people faster is they put people they put people all about the same speed in one lane, right? And then they put people just that are just a little bit faster in lane two, and then people that are a little bit faster than that in lane three, and then they move it on up so that lane eight's the fastest, for example. And then if you're a competitive person, you try to keep up with the lane next to you because you want to move to that next fastest lane because it drives you crazy that there's people faster than you. Mm-hmm. And um, that that swimming in a group... 
uh, mentality is all you got to do is take somebody that's competitive like you and put them with somebody that's just a little bit faster, right, in the, in mm -hmm. the one lane over, and mm -hmm. it just drives that person crazy, and mm -hmm. they um, they try to keep up, and they try to keep yeah. up, and then they figure it out. Over yeah, I, I, yeah, actually, there's a group of us in Vegas, and we just started swimming with them, and these are, these guys are phenomenal swimmers, and so it's that same t type of mentality. Like we we each have our own lane, mm -hmm. so we each have our own space, but like um, it's fun to swim with faster people because yeah. you want to keep up. And um, I found that that's been a really huge help for me. Yeah. Um, in the last year. Yeah, like uh, I would be a sophomore in high school, and they're like, "You want to be faster, or you want to move up to lane six instead of lane five? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, first you got to end up leading your lane for a while because they have like, you know, five, ten people, not ten, five people in a lane. And they're like, and if you lead your lane fast and long enough, maybe we'll put you in the other lane for a while. And then you move up to the next lane. The coach goes, you know what? You're good enough to be in the next lane. <laughs> and then you get in that lane and you get eaten for lunch, yeah. right? But yeah. you, you catch up and after a while you're faster and then it's up to the next lane. And then by the time you're leading lane eight, you're king of the mountain. And it takes like three years to get there but mm. but but it's it's really cool how it sets you up and all you got to do is just be competitive and it works it's fantastic yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool the, the whole training camp thing and the big squads yeah. and all that yeah it's been fun so hopefully we're going to do another one here um oh yeah before kona so that'll be good <laughs> cool well awesome yeah. thanks for being on the show and yeah. uh um, yeah everybody follow you uh what are you on uh, on Twitter and Facebook and all that? So people. I'm on everything. Back. Yep, social media. Angela Nath, um, or Angela Duncan actually on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so I missed the part of it because I was talking to Kai where he said um, uh, that you were going to come up and give the give the speech where they were announcing your uh, name. Yep. And uh, he said Angela Nath or uh, Angela, Angela Duncan. Duncan or what? What is it, Angela? <laughs> Angela Duncan Nath. Angela Duncan Nath. That's yeah. easy because it's just alphabetical. Exactly. <laughs> ADN. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for uh, joining us. It's been great. All right. Cool. All right. Bye. Uh, see ya. Take care. All right. Thank you so much, Angela. She's always been so cool to be on the show and let us uh, follow her journey. And um, if you follow Angela on Twitter, uh, she's she's really interesting. She tweets a lot of stuff that's introspective and uh, is very much very very kind of zen in a way you know it's it's pretty neat she's very very much paying attention to what's going on around her and in the world and and it's it's good stuff so follow her on twitter and i noticed on twitter she posted that she's raising money for and looking for a run partner to do a relay at uh, challenge atlantic city so if you have a way to get there and a way to do that um Give Angela a follow on Twitter, and she probably posted it on Facebook. And I remember one time I saw that she actually posts her her train, at least her bike rides on uh, Strava, I think. So if you want some inspiration, you can go check all that out. Okay, let's go ahead and read some emails and some questions while we've uh, got time sitting here together. And let's see, our first one is... Oh, insulin resistance from Mark. Okay, so I was at the transition area at Galveston, 
and by the way, I call Galveston seventy point. I call it Galveston seventy point three because there's a there's a they actually officially call it Texas Ironman Texas seventy point three, and it's in Galveston. And people confuse the hell out of that thing with the one in the Woodlands. And um, all the time, I get well. I thought it was in the Woodlands, and I'm like, no, this is the half Ironman. Well, they say it's Ironman. I know because they're trying to. They're trying to get away from using the word half because it doesn't sound as awesome. So they say Iron Man 70.3 and it's a marketing thing and all this crap. So anyway, I call it Galveston 70.3. Maybe someday I'll change. But the thing is, Mark is a fan of the show and he said, hey, um, he, he saw me in the transition area and he said, hey, the, uh, the thing where you talk about going out for a workout and then having just a few minutes in, like 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, having a blood sugar crash, like you're bonking really bad, um, that is a sign that it's a precursor of type 2 diabetes. Maybe type 1, but I doubt it. But uh, type 2 diabetes, and your, your body isn't able to handle the insulin, and... Um, you're going hypoglycemic and wild blood sugar swings are a sign, yeah, that things are going wrong in your body. And I said, holy crap, that's really interesting. We need to talk about this on the show. Can you send me more information about it? And he said, yeah, he'd send me an email and here it is. Hey, Brett, we met yesterday at Galveston. My name is Mark Graveline. Um, So what I was talking about is reactive hypoglycemia. But that's a pretty general term. Some people get it just from eating, but exercise-induced reactive hypoglycemia is a very specific type. What happens is you eat carbs, your glucose levels go up, and your body produces insulin. Now, if you're slightly insulin-resistant, typical type 2 condition, uh, your insulin is not used efficiently. And your glucose does not come down as it should, so your pancreas creates more insulin for you to get, now you got a bunch of insulin, so you get a fair buildup. Um, and that way your body can, I'm, I'm interjecting here, I guess that way your body can actually start using that blood sugar as it's needed. Uh, the way they test insulin resistance in hospitals is high insulin levels and presence in presence of high glucose levels. Oh, so your body, you've packed your blood with lots of blood sugar from uh, eating carbs and your insulin is high, but your body isn't, your body's numb to the insulin. The insulin isn't working. Um, Okay, so you start to exercise and very soon, 10 to 15 minutes, you become very insulin sensitive, opposite of insulin resistant. The insulin, and there is a lot of it, uh, kicks in in a bang and you get a crash. As a type 2, I can reproduce it at will. I eat too much carb, then check my glucose one or two hours later and my glucose will be at 190, run 5K, zone 2, and it will crash to 72. There are some, so that's low. Like Let's, let's just say average glucose is 100. People need to know that. So after he eats, it goes to 190, which is actually really high. And then um, runs 5K, zone 2, and will crash to 72. There are some easy ways to test for insulin sensitivity. In the morning, eat a bagel, glass of OJ, and take your glucose level two hours later. If you are over 144, there may be something there. 
Emily, as a nurse, has probably done what they call oral glucose tolerance test. You take 75 grams of carbs and test glucose two hours later. The bagel OJ is almost the equivalent of this. Going higher fat may have simply reduced the glucose spikes that he's saying that I'm doing. Going higher fat uh, before workout so you don't get those highs so you don't crash. As you have, as you can have slight insulin resistance without being type two, it's good to know because if you are just, if you just, because, because if you are, you can act accordingly. There is a genetic disposition to it. I just thought I'd let you know when you mentioned it on the show, a little flag went up for me. Email me if you have any questions at all. Yeah, so I need to do this test because I was definitely um, having a blood sugar crash after starting jogging. And um, I've cured it uh, by not eating as much um, before working out. Um, But it sounds like based on what he said that um, but that's not really a cure. It's, it's, uh, whoa, this is really serious. I need to check into this. <laughs> I may have hypoglycemia, blood sugar stuff. Okay, so I'm going to do that. Emily has a blood sugar kit. I'm going to test it. Okay, we also have uh, from Jason an email. You mentioned this on your last podcast, but was it okay if I created a Zentri Garmin Connect group for the podcast listeners? If that is okay, can I use your logo for the group as well? And I told him yes. Go ahead. So go check that out on Garmin Connect. I also have a um, a related question, he says. You may have seen or heard Brett Sutton's recommendation that you come up with non-cycling background, you should do most of your training at a cycling cadence of around 60 RPM. Here he has two blog posts to sign. Oh, and I thought this was, this was really cool. And hold on, I'm dying of sweat here. Let me turn on the AC. You can only heat train so much. Whew. There we go. Oh. <laughs> there it is. All right. So Brett Sutton, yeah. So Brett Sutton, you know, one of the world's best triathlon coaches, says, "Hey, if you don't come from a cycling background, yeah, train at a low cadence." Okay. So I, I, I kind of agree with this, but I think that the more that you train, and that's because unless you come from a cycling background, you may not be able to do a high cadence where you um, can get a really nice feel for the pedals and be really efficient. So he's saying basically stomp the pedals uh, in a big gear instead of spin because you're not good at spinning. You're going to be really inefficient at spinning because you're not awesome at it. And um, there's two things here. Well, as you train in triathlon, you're going to have a cycling background. You're going to develop one. And so over time, you can work your way up to a higher cadence, just like uh, anybody else that's been biking for a long time, right? So just because you're one way going in doesn't mean you're the same way coming out on the other side. And uh, when I first started out in triathlon, I uh, did big gearing and uh, would have blown out legs by the end of a race. And um, uh, over the years, I've trained myself up so that I've got a much faster, higher cadence. Um, but yeah, it's just being coordinated. It's just like learning to to um, 
spin something fast. It's like learning the hula hoop or learning the salsa dance or something like that. After a while, you uh, just get efficient at it and it's less stress on your body to do it faster. Um, so again, you you can... It's, if, if, you're, if you are doing low cadence, it is okay because it works. Higher cadence will work better, but it won't work better for you unless you practice it. So you just practice it in doses, like uh, during intervals and... Uh, yeah, just, just during intervals, you know, you practice some high speed every once in a while and you'll notice that your cadence naturally gets higher faster. If you try to go out and do high cadence artificially, well, you're going to blow up because you can't because that's not what you've been practicing. Um, but also, I have uh, seen really where I'll practice high cadence, I'll do medium to high cadence all the time. And then when I have to do a low cadence because I'm stuck in a gear or something like that, or it's a big steep hill, um, I've detrained, I've untrained my um, my muscles that where they can put out a lot of torque um, in a low cadence and push really hard. Um, it's kind of like if you go to the gym and you lift a lightweight really, really fast, you're going to get good at that. But there are times when you're going to need to pick up a heavy weight and lift it um, only a few times, and you can't because even though you spent all this time in the gym, uh, because your muscles aren't strong enough that way. So what I've found that's actually really nice is you train both, and a way to do this is you alternate. Uh, intervals, you do some of your, you can do them one-to-one, you know, uh, just flip-flop. Do one interval at a high cadence and do another interval at a low cadence. And you just keep going back and forth and back and forth. And then now what you have, if this was a golf course, now you have two clubs instead of just one, right? So you can actually mix things up while you're out racing and you're tired of, of doing a high cadence for a while, you know, and your cadence is kind of dictated by how fast you're going and the terrain and kind of what gears you've got. You don't really have that much. You, you kind of just go with something for a while. And if you've trained both, then you can switch back and forth and back and forth and uh, give your muscles a break by using different systems. And then that variability will actually make you a better triathlete. So, um, Let's say it's, you know, of course, like a really good example would be a really hilly course. Well, wouldn't it be nice if some of the hills you just spun, spinned, span, you just spun up, right? And took a lot of load off your legs. And then um, another hill, you decided to um, give your aerobic system a break and uh, do a little bit bigger gearing and kind of of grunt it up the hill using uh, standing and pedaling, you know, nice and slow and really relaxed. And you could just alternate back and forth. Um, it's kind of like knowing different swim strokes. You know, uh, if you were really good at freestyle and then also really good at backstroke, you can um, give your uh, freestyle muscles a break by swimming on your back or breaststroke, you know, and uh, give yourself a break and then pick back up again after you've rested for a little bit. So give that some consideration. Okay, then we have... A donation from Matthew Heinz. How's it going, Matt? 
thank you very much. And Jason Drury and Carrie Honig, which might be Jeff Honing. <laughs> Daniel Stark, Ted Stephanie, Brian Kemper, Todd Endicott, Matthew Froes, and Brian M. And Brian M. sent in a note. Let's see what he's got. There it is. Uh, hey, Brett, thanks for the email. I've been enjoying the podcast for a couple of years now. I stumbled across your podcast because I was curious about two things, Zen and triathlon. I have enjoyed how you combine the two. Uh, I find the lectures of Alan Watts an enjoyable source for Zen. Plenty of them on YouTube. Keep the podcast coming, Brian. Uh, by the way, two words for Hornet Juice. Weapons grade. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot going on in this email. Let me cover it real quick. Um, Zen and Yard of Triathlon, the whole podcast, the whole point of the show um, is that you cannot figure out triathlon. It just is. As soon as you try to figure it out and you think you got it all figured out, it changes on you. There's, there's different distances. There's different obstacles. There's family situations that pop up. There's job situations. There's kids. There's going, uh, so for some people, uh, qualifying for stuff or becoming a pro or injury. You know, it, and the fact that the thing is, is that it's three sports. It is technically impossible to be good at more than one sport. And now you're trying to be uh, good at all three of them. So you have to learn to deal with failure and, um, and learn to accept that this is what the whole sport is. And it's, it's completely uh, humbling that you thought that you were going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, and uh, it doesn't end up that way in triathlon whatsoever. And by by using uh, Zen principles, um, it really helps you deal with the frustration and the complications of trying to train for triathlon. And it's triathlon is like a koan. And a koan, K-O-A-N, is a riddle that's really unanswerable. And it's like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? That's a, that's a famous one. And you can't figure it out. But what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to stun you, a koan, when somebody asks one of these questions. Uh, what was your face before you were born? You know, it's like weird stuff like that. Um, it's supposed to stun you into thinking, man... Uh, my, my, the way I'm doing things my whole life, it, it doesn't really matter that much. It's not, it doesn't make that much sense. Um, there's other things and, and bigger things and uh, uh, different things. The world's different than what I thought. I'm, I'm too caught up in my own way of doing things. And, and um, So triathlon is a really great koan that it shocks you into going, what the hell am I trying to do? How do I actually come to you don't learn to get incredible at it. You learn to come to terms with it. And you learn so much about yourself by trying to do triathlon. You learn that um, because, you know, to be really great, you got to do these certain things. Well, you run up against walls where, like, you, you don't want to eat kale all the time. And um, you're not that interested in swimming. Swimming is so freaking boring. But for some people, they do it. So why, do, why can they do it, but you can't, right? 
And how come, no matter how much you run, you can't run below an eight-minute mile when somebody else can, you know? And how did that person get to be such a good swimmer when you try so hard and, and you didn't, you know? So you're faced with all these difficulties, and it's the perfect riddle that you'll, you can't solve it. You have to learn, um, because you can't solve it, it exposes you for what you, th- what the way you thought things were, and then in in your in replacement shoves in your face what reality really is, and it humbles you, and then it turns you into a completely different person. At first, as in triathlon, you become kind of a jerk, and you're like, "I do triathlons, I'm so cool," and then after a while, when you realize that there's people out there that are ten times better than you are <laughs> at it. Then you're like, well, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not that great, and uh, this whole this whole thing is just incredible, and I'm just a small part of it, and it's so great just to be a part of it, right? For example, I'm just saying, you know, like, that's some uh, of my experience with it. Um, so that's how on this show we combine the two, Zen and Triathlon, and that's what Brian's talking about there. That's pretty cool. Um, you find out a lot about yourself on a uh, attempting a five-hour bike ride or attempting a 100-mile trail run. Uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be just triathlon. It can be any endurance sport where you really try to take on something big. Um, Alan Watts was a famous uh, philosopher, and not only is he on YouTube, and it's Alan, A-L-A-N, Watts, W-A-T-T-S. Um, he was a Westerner. He might I wonder, was he British? But anyway, definitely a Westerner. And he studied um, Asian, so like Buddhism and Hinduism and uh, things like that. He he studied Eastern philosophy and religions because um, you use those. If you don't study something different than what you already know, then you don't really know what you know. You just, you're just, you know, following a... A uh, rut in the road, like like a wagon wheel, and you don't know why you're there. You're just following the person in front of you, and um, it's not that wise. So you compare what what you learn something totally different than what than what you uh, know as common around you, and it shines light on on that what's actually going on around you is is not necessarily. Uh, Required or normal, it's been chosen and developed into um, into uh, culture around you, um, and it may not be the best choice for what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you can uh, food, for example, you can say, well, if you grow up in uh, Mexico, well, all your food's Mexican food, <laughs> right? Well, you could take the same ingredients, a lot of the same ingredients, and make a completely different food, which you would never know unless you traveled to Thailand, for example, right? Okay, so there's all that. So check out Alan Watts, but I want to say Alan Watts is, um, there's a podcast called the Alan, maybe it's called the Alan Watts Podcast, and it's his lectures, audio lectures, um, and I think they cycle through them uh, every few years, because I think I've heard the same ones a few times, and they're just so cool. He's a, he really screws with your mind. Uh, laying out the universe and what you think is real and, and what's actually um, what Hinduism and Buddhism uh, and Middle Eastern uh, 
maybe, I, th- I think he touches on Islam as well. Um, what they, how they think the universe and nature and people work and why things happen. And it really makes you go, whoa, holy cow, I did never think of that. But it has to come from the opposite side of the world for you to see things that way. It's really neat. Um, yeah, the, like the, I believe it's the Hindu uh, belief is the whole world is, is a play. And that's actually something Shakespeare touched on. It's, and not take it so seriously. Um, and here in Western culture, like with Christianity, we take it very seriously. You know, it's heaven and hell kind of stuff. Um, but half the world seems to, you know, do it another way. So could they be wrong? Who's wrong? Who's right? Doesn't, makes you really think. Okay, so more donations. Uh, Allison Frutos, M. Webb, Dwayne Morin, Jessica Woodruff, Chris Knight, and he sent in a note. Uh, Brett, thanks, man. It's already hot here in Vegas, but that's probably nothing new to you down in Texas. Yeah, I about died the other day on the bike. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, I'm excited to give this Hornet Juice stuff a try. I've been listening for only a short time, but I love the podcast. I drive a lot for work, and you get me through some of these boring Southwest desert drives. Yeah, they are boring. They're pretty, though, but, man, they're boring. Um, keep us, cause, just because the distances are so long, keep us, keep up the great work, and hopefully I'll get a chance to meet you one day. Who knows? This Iron Baby, Ultra Baby may just happen for me one of these days. Thanks again. Cheers. Yeah, um, thank you, man. Uh, every fall, I either do, I've been doing a self-supported Ironman. We're going to do a self-supported Ultraman this fall. So go to zentrathlon.com and check out the link for that. It's the Ultra Baby is what we're calling it. That's a long story for another show. And I guess the, uh, the thing I should mention by this point is you can help support the show by donating on the left side of zentrathlon.com. There's PayPal links where you can donate one time or multiple times, like a recurring uh, subscription. Uh, It's really cool. It's really simple to do. I think it's better than this Patreon stuff because it's just PayPal and everybody can can use that. I think with Patreon, you have to become a member or something. And Who needs to join another membership thing, man? It drives me crazy. And then, um, yeah, you get to uh, support the show and... uh, make an impact and we take the uh the donations and turn around and use it right towards show costs which is super cool and then also you can order hornet juice with this on the right i believe that's on the right side of the show uh page zentrathlon and um you get an amino acid mix called hornet juice that is crazy how well it works and um you get to try out something pretty cool that a lot of people, like I'm reading these, that's why I read these emails, say that it's insane, weapons grade, <laughs> it's awesome. And um, you get to support the show at the same time, which is super cool. And Hornet Juice, yeah, it's it's a protein powder, which is an amino acid mix that turns on your body's fat burning reserves and really gives you an extra kick for long distance stuff. Um, it just you don't feel like a caffeine high or anything like that. You just feel like somebody has just flipped on the motor in like a diesel submarine or something. That stuff carries you far. And one packet lasts uh, an hour and a half. It's only 60 calories, but it's the it's the blend of amino acids in it that the ratio of, of this amino acid to that one and the other one has been studied and found to turn on body fat burning. And it is crazy stuff. 
and I get tons of orders for it, reorders where people go, holy crap, at work, and <laughs> they'll order like an eight pack, you know, to test it, and then come back and order a hundred. <laughs> like this stuff is insane. Of course, the more you get, the better, the better deal you get. So there's that. Okay, so Todd Nelson sent in a donation. Hunchu sent in a donation. How's it going? And Dan Machia or Machia and James Godek and William Beck and Lewis Russell or Roselle. And he sent in an email. This is our last email before we get into the training log. Um, having fun listening to the Zendurance stuff. That's where I'm on. on um, I'm on Endurance Planet lately with Tawny, trying not to piss her off by uh, doing the opposite of what she's saying sometimes, apparently. <laughs> it's unintentional. I, uh, I've been self-coached for so many years that somebody coaching me is, um, I have to learn how to, how to be coached uh, by somebody and to pay attention more to what somebody's saying. She told me to do a, um, a five-hour workout, but it was a brick, and I just read five hours, you know, like on a Wednesday I was like, oh, this Sunday I'm supposed to do like five hours and something. And then I never looked at it again. And in my mind, I somehow warped it into a five-hour ride and a one-hour run. Makes no sense whatsoever. But you know how people, uh, uh, eyewitness testimony in court you should be kind of taken with a grain of salt um, because people's memories change. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. So I'm out there on a five-hour bike ride. <laughs> and then Tawny finds out and gets pissed off at me. And says, no, you were supposed to do it like a two or three hour bike ride and then like a two hour run or something like that. And uh, I was like, oh, crap. So, um, yeah, this is the tune into Endurance Planet and look for the Zendurance stuff um, where Tawny's working on fixing me. It's quite the adventure and it's hilarious stuff. Um, okay. And it, you know, how, like, it's really difficult to teach somebody who thinks that they already know a lot of stuff, right? You got to. That's a, that's a very Zen thing is your teacup is already full. How can you add more tea when your teacup is already full? And the Zen master keeps pouring the tea into the teacup. That's a classic lesson. And then the student is like, wait, it's fl- overflowing. And the Zen master says, yeah, you got to empty your freaking teacup, dummy. Brett. All right. So back to uh, squirrel moment there. Let's back to uh, Louis Rozelle's email. He says he survived a 45-degree windy, rainy marathon. Boston. Oh, he did the Boston Marathon. That's right. This is a cool email. Boston is no is like no other marathon, and now I see why it's the best and most important one to do. That's really interesting. So glad that I was there, even though the weather, even with the weather, the support was amazing along the route. Unfortunately, I came down with my only cold of the past year the week before. That sucks. You should take sound probiotics. I was uh, feeling a little better on race day. The course is very hard, and the downhills totally trash your quads. Even though I trained on many hills, it was still not enough for me to feel them at mile 18. Yeah, so when you're training for hilly courses, you got to train to run. We have a big mistake where the cheaper treadmills, they go up, but they don't go down. And um, you got to learn, you got to go out and run downhill because you, you destroy your quads running downhill. It's really weird, but it, that's what ends up tearing you up. Um, uh, let's see, running up Heartbreak Hill was easy because no pain on the legs. Running downhill after mile 18 was extremely painful. He failed to re-qualify for Boston by just under four minutes. <laughs> and he ran at 3.33. Uh, what makes this race amazing is that my time is respectable, but still 
11,700th place. <laughs> that is humbling right there, isn't it? Uh, in my age group, 50 to 54, there were 2,000 men, and I was about 1,003rd. Uh, about halfway, that's pretty good. Um, a dozen guys my age ran under 245, and one guy did a 231. The runners are the best of the best. It is like Kona, as Tawny can attest to, the best of the best age groupers. Thanks for being part of my training over the past few years. Uh, Brett, I drank Hornet juice before the run, and my wife handed me a bottle with Hornet juice at mile 17. Oh, that's pretty cool. Thanks. Uh, stay well, stay strong, and good luck at Ironman Texas Zen Man. All right, cool. Yeah, we're going to do this episode, and then... Um, Gosh, I hope I get an Ironman, uh, another episode out before Ironman Texas. I got a really cool interview with a guy that's doing some crazy long-distance triathlon, Luke, um, the ultimate triathlon. It's crazy. And, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the training log. This is uh, the few days leading up to and then maybe a few days after uh, Galveston 70.3. With all the fun and craziness there, uh, just a quick recap so you stay tuned towards the end is um, I had a, a wreck on the bike. I went uh, too fast on the bike, and then I had a wreck on the bike, which is not related to going to too fast on the bike. I was, uh, I was slowing down to pee while I was on the bike and just pedaling along, soft pedaling, because I was on the last stretch of just a few miles left, and during, during that time, it you should pretty much just kind of coast anyway to get your running legs under you. So I'm just, I'm just paddling along easily, you know, just minding my own business and, uh, going, okay, let's get ready to run. Um, and it had a strong tailwind, so you don't really need to pedal all that much. And it'd been drizzling a little bit. So handlebars were wet and the uh, grip on the handlebars is worn off on my bike. Cause my handlebars are really old. And the, um, there's this nasty pothole in a 90 degree turn and I, um, I hit it in my handlebar. My hands flew off the handlebars, and I uh, went flying off my bike, which was really uncool. And had a nasty, nasty wreck. And then I went ahead and continued running <laughs> the half marathon. <laughs> and it was really stunning and shocking. I'm still, a week later, uh, got major road rash and and uh, I started picking up an infection. I'm on antibiotics. And uh, the one in my knee is the worst. It's kind of pussy. And uh, I, my body's doing the best it can to kind of recover from all this stuff. So, yeah, that's all in, the, all in the training log. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead. Oh, wait, we should do a couple of sponsors. Yeah, Sound Probiotics. Go check them out. You can get a discount. Let me pull up the discount code stuff. Uh I try to make the show not about commercials. Sound probiotics uh, make you healthy and keep you from getting sick. Everybody keeps getting sick around me, and I keep not getting sick. Or I'll get sick for like five minutes, and then I'll be fine again. 10% off uh, with discount code ZENTRY. I think in the show I talk about Amrita bars. If not, uh, 15% off with discount code ZEN, all caps. And I love me some Amrita bars. And... Yeah, we talked about the other stuff. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey. 
We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Welcome to a new training log. Start date. Uh, April 21st. Get in the Zentri Mobile Studios. Just put the trash out. The glory. Oh, crap. I just opened the garage again. No, go back down. Go back down. There he goes. Okay. The glory of age group triathlon. Taking out the trash. Ooh. There we go. Am I late to work again? Am I always late to work? And... Man, I am amped today because things are going so good. Had a great weekend of training. No, I had a terrible Sunday of training, but it was like terribly good. Goodly terrible. I'll tell you about that in a second. And this morning, just had a great math run, including warm-up and including hills, a couple hundred feet maybe. I doubt a couple hundred, 150 feet over an hour of uh, hills of altitude terrain, altitude terrain of altitude gain, and um, was running an 8:11 pace, and I'll tell you how in just a minute. But let's go back to Sunday. Uh, I left off last episode with going into the weekend. Gonna get some big training done. So on uh, Saturday, this is like April, I don't know, like 17th, 18th, something like that. Um, I did a run in the morning, I think. And then I did a hard bike interval workout in the afternoon. And the bike interval numbers were pretty good. Not too bad. Legs coming back online. And the run, oh, I know what I did. I did intervals in the morning, I think. And then in the afternoon, I did an hour and a half, kind of a longer run at math, just to see what I would do. And math is your maximum aer- aerobic <laughs> function. I should start calling it threshold. Maximum aerobic threshold. It sounds like I got a, a problem saying that word. And, oh man, we are stuck in a traffic situation here. And the... Um, the pace for my math run was an eight, including warm-up for an hour and a half, was an 8.33. And that was on decently beat-up legs because I just did bike intervals that morning and my legs are sore. I haven't taken, you know, ton, tons of rest or anything like that. And I was like, oh, shoot, I should have gone. I was like, man, that's not bad. That's kind of, uh, that's around Kona qualifying pace. KQ. And our dog... Our dog's name is Kona, and sometimes we joke, uh, what, I just got a beep on my Garmin 920 watch that I got a text from my one of my best friends. That's pretty cool. Um, what is the, um, our dog's Kona, so we qualify to get Kona? You, you, you people qualify to own me? <laughs> anyway, um, hold on. I'm going through a school zone. I got to turn this off. Okay, I'm back. Um. So where did I leave off? I was, uh, oh, so I, I ran like an 8.33 pace in the afternoon in the sun. Not too hot, but, you know, just, it was warm. And uh, for like 12 miles, something like that. And I was like, man, that's pretty good. That's not bad. Legs are coming back online. And math is as fast as you can go without going anaerobic, really. So it's like a sustainable pace 
uh, based on heart rate. It's 180 minus your age. And if you've been training for years and you add a few, you add a few uh, numbers, a few points, and uh, you try to stay under that heart rate, but close to it, but under it. And the, uh, so I was like, cool. So then that evening, I've pretty much cut out drinking any kind of beer, ale. But that evening, I was like, man, you know what? I deserve, I deserve an IPA, India Pale Ale. So I bought one, right? So this is a strategy to limit your drinking. Don't buy a six pack of beer because then you'll drink two or three at a time because you got six. Just buy one at a time. And yeah, it's more expensive, but it keeps you from drinking too many. And uh, so I drank one IPA that evening at like eight o'clock at night and it knocked me the F out. <laughs> I was like, goosh, <laughs> out. So that was a bad idea. And uh, I woke up the next morning and Emily took Kai to this massive triathlon in Houston. It's the world's largest kids triathlon. And um, it's awesome, except it's so it's too big. Uh, in Emily's opinion and Kai's opinion, they didn't have, they had an okay time. Um, there was lots of Charlie Foxtrot situations going on. And uh, anyway, so while they were at that, um, I had to go out and do my big, big training day for Iron Man, which is why a lot of people quit Iron Man because of having to take uh, family time, so much time away from your family to do ridiculously long training that you don't need to do for half Ironmans. And I was definitely not enjoying uh, not being at the triathlon and out on a long bike ride instead. I'd so much rather uh, be with fam. But next weekend, Kai's going with me all weekend to Galveston, just us. So we're going to have a blast together. So it'll be all right. And um, I go out and do this uh, this. Four and a half hour bike ride was my plan. I was going to do between four and five hours. I do, uh, and my longest so far up until then might have been three and a half to four hours. So I was going to go into uh, new territory, although I've done tons of five, six hour bike rides uh, in my life. Just nothing like that. Uh, my longest, my last five hour, four and a half to five hour, five and a half hour bike ride was back in October of uh, last year, maybe November of 2014. Ever since then, it's been three hours. Uh, been working my way up, two hours, three hours, four hours. And now we're at uh, four and a half. And I was doing just pure dextrose, which is uh, your body. It's another name for just glucose and sea salt and a little bit of green tea powder mixed in. And... Uh, that motorcycle cop has his blinker on and doesn't know it. <laughs> um, we all make mistakes. The uh, the fueling was pretty good. Oh, but I had a I had a uh, I had a bonkage disaster throughout the day, and it really bothered me. I was really pissed off about it. Uh, and after lots and lots of trying to figure out uh, what actually happened, um, I came down with uh, that I was getting dehydrated and I wasn't drinking enough water for the uh, fuel and then that made me not want to uh, eat as much fuel and then that made me bonk. 
um, because it made me start feeling kind of a little bit sick to my stomach. And so I uh, backed off the fueling. But I, if I drank more water, then I would have been fine. And um, the one invisible suspect that uh, you don't think about is as it's springtime, it starts getting warmer. You're not used to it. And you're not used to the amount of water that you need to drink. And on top of that, the bike ride started off pretty cool in the morning. And then it warmed up a lot. By the end of the uh, bike ride and on my run, because I did a brick run, it was 83 or 84 degrees and uh, 66% humidity. So the heat index was right around 90 degrees <laughs> with a heavy humidity. And, uh, and full sun. Uh, but it didn't start off that way, right? And when you're on the bike, you're being cooled off. You don't really realize how much uh, you're sweating and how much water you actually need. And so I've decided that that was the uh, problem because after the, um, after the workout, which I'll tell you more about in a second because there's more, um, I'll... Uh, I, I just drank tons. Once I figured out that's probably what the problem was, I drank tons and tons of water. And then the next day felt amazing. And, uh, okay, so this is back on Sunday. I start, uh, middle way through the bike ride, I start struggling. And up until then, I was putting out uh, just great watts, you know. So we're about two and a half hours in. And I start, uh, even, I start fading, kind of, and not feeling right, and not able to fuel... And yeah, my, my uh, watt started dropping. And so I started having to do the triage bike ride where I would work the uphills and just kind of coast the downhills to kind of let my uh, stomach settle so that I could uh, eat more fuel. And, you know, looking back, I should have just drank a ton more water. And uh, having only two water stops for a four and a half hour ride my bike looks like a water truck with all the water bottles and stuff that I'm carrying it's pretty crazy um, and then towards the very end of the bike ride the last hour what I noticed was my heart rate started climbing and climbing and climbing at lower and lower power right so less effort heart rates climbing and I should have even though I know this and I preach it I still didn't put two and two together. That's why you practice these long things. So you start learning and fixing stuff. And um, uh, heart rate climbing with less uh, effort is dehydration. It's majorly dehydration. Um, your body, your blood, I think it thickens and your, your, uh, you have to, um, your heart has to work harder to push the fuel and the blood around. And uh, so it raises your heart rate heart's having to work harder to do the work and that's why you wear a heart rate monitor um, along with power so you can say power's going down heart rate's going up that's dehydration you can fix yourself and they keep on going and then a long race like an Ironman or a long training day you can fix yourself fix yourself and uh, keep going <laughs> anyway I was cracking up over something but the um so I take off on the run, four and a half hour ride, right? I looked later on my uh, bike computer to see uh, the distance and the, um, the speed, the average speed. I've learned in training to take those numbers off. You go by time 
and by effort and watts and heart rate and do not go by distance or um, or average speed or else you'll end up uh, ruining your workouts. So later, oh, later Emily asked me, she goes, how far did you ride? And I go, I don't know, four and a half hours? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but how far? And I go, I don't know. And uh, she looked up, she goes, you rode 93 miles? And I was like, oh, yeah, huh. Yeah, I guess I, at 21 miles per hour, uh, 20.9 or something like that. And she, she was like, holy crap. I said, yeah, huh, that's pretty good. So I guess I only need about a um, five-hour five ride should cover it for training for Ironman. Um, you know, and leave the extra uh, couple miles that are left over uh, for race day. I kind of like that, like, you know, make it for a marathon, make your longest run like 26 miles if you, if you want, and then save the extra 0.2 for uh, race day. It's kind of fun. And um, anyway, so I head out on this run and it's going to be an hour run. It's a brick run. And again, it's a heat index of 90 degrees with high humidity outside. And I, uh, <clears throat> I start running and I'm and immediately I noticed something's off, but not terrible, you know, it's just kind of off a little bit. And so I'm running along and I'm just like, uh, and after 20 minutes, I did, I started doing run walk. I was like, man, you know, this is, this is really rough. And I noticed my heart rate is, um, kind of high for the amount of effort I was putting out. I was like, this, this kind of sucks. <laughs> So I said, okay, do run, walk, and that'll bring your heart rate down, and um, you could uh, fuel and uh, drink. Um, you know, it helps that whatever you put in your stomach digest and like uh, move along if you're not bouncing up and down from running. That's that's one of the reasons that run, walk works awesome on long stuff. Uh, oh, and the other thing was the last half hour of the bike ride, uh, no fuel, so that your stomach. Uh, feels good so that you can uh, run and I did that and it worked so I'm, I'm running and uh, stomach feels fine but just heart rate's high just feel overwhelming sense of like uh, while I'm trying to run and oh man sorry distracted squirrel and so I do the run walk and I did I did at like 20 minutes in, I walked a minute and then jogged. And at 30 minutes in, I walked a minute and then jogged. And then uh, after that, I was like, <laughs> "Screw this! I can't! I can't wait nine minutes and then walk." And it's it's slightly rolling hills where I where I am. Um, I noticed just jogging for like a couple minutes, my heart rate would just start skyrocketing, and I would feel like pressure. And I uh, I was like, "Man, I'm just gonna have to walk the uphills and jog." and uh jog the and the uh flats and the downhills and it was mostly uphill on the way back so I was kind of screwed and I ended up though I don't know what my average pace was but I ended up doing about five five and a half miles in an hour and um but it was brutal absolutely brutal and I gotta run inside I'll be back in just a second out thing all right I'm back <laughs> Boy, this weekend's gonna get crazy. I've got uh, Kai. Emily is in Florida to go on a training thing. It's top secret. No, it's not. It's just for work. 
So it's uh, it's the perils of age group, the fun. Let's say let's change attitude, change the framing here. Age group triathlon. I'm a single dad. What is today? Wednesday. Wednesday through Sunday night, maybe Monday. And and I've got a race this weekend. So it's going to be kind of crazy. I'm trying to keep track of everything. Get Kai off to school and sports. And wrap up my own training. Uh, Emily asked me if it was cool. And I said, yeah, because uh, I'm tapering. You know, for a race, sort of. Not totally, but somewhat. Uh, Galveston's going to be um, more of a a B race, kind of like a B plus, A minus race. I love being an all-world athlete, um, and you got to get points to be an all-world athlete. And um, to get my points, I can do Galveston 70.3, Ironman Texas, full Ironman, and Austin 70.3. And that way I'm supporting... um, Local races, I'm doing races that are a wide variety. Austin's dead flat, but windy and by the ocean. And uh, Ironman Texas goes through the woods and it's slightly rolling. And, uh, you know, a full-blown Ironman North American Championship. You know, big freaking deal. And uh, Austin 70.3 is hilly and crazy hilly and uh, Emily's uh, texting me from the airport uh, while she's on her trip making sure you know monitoring (laughs) making sure we don't go out of control with our dude time over here with Kai and I she knows us too well won't get jack done hold on I'm gonna have a sip of coffee well, I'm going to talk way far away from the mic while I sip. Mm. Ah. Wow, I finally got three seconds to uh, to get my stuff done. And yeah, last night I'm, I was trying to just sit for uh, ten minutes. Hold on, I'm still talking away from the mic on purpose. It's not going to last. I was trying to have ten minutes to uh, relax and with Siri you can say on the iPhone you can say uh, set a timer for 10 minutes and it'll go okay like that and you get a 10 minute timer and it's nice so I got like 3 minutes into my 10 minute timer and Emily walks in and says my phone's full and I'm about to go on a trip can you get all the photos off my phone I was like oh my god because I'm the IT guy for the house you know which means uh, starting probably this year, next year, I'm going to have to set up all kinds of porn filters. <laughs> this guy's going to start being a teenager pretty soon. I'm going to have to control that a little bit. I'll probably recruit uh, the Twitter nets for uh, help with all that on how to do that right. Like, we want bike porn, but not human porn. But not also block so much that we're blocking medical or... Oh, there's a Tesla. Squirrel moment. Go, Tesla. You look pretty. And uh, anyway, 
So I was trying to just have five seconds to ten minutes to uh, meditate and kind of think out what I need to do and uh, just relax for a minute, kind of gather and regroup. And the next thing I know, I'm arguing with Emily over how to how to download photos off of her phone and to put them someplace safe. And then she gets mad at me because I'm going too fast. And I said, well, this is like the 10th time that we've done this. When are you going to learn how to do it? It's just dragging stuff around to folders. It's not uh, that hard, I think. You know, of course, then that comes across as rude. And then we get into an argument. Kai tells us to quit arguing. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, Because it's just over photos. It's over nothing important. One of the reasons Emily and I have such a great marriage is we're willing to argue but not take it seriously. And then I definitely don't take it seriously. I start laughing because I I can't take anything seriously. After after, uh, being yelled at at military school and in the core at A&M for three years uh, over stupid stuff, you can can, uh, learn to not take anything like uh, too seriously. It's all just yelling and and, uh, being stupid. Nothing... What actually matters is life and death kind of stuff. So you start laughing over how how dumb arguments get. It's a good way to handle it. Anyway, um, oh, interesting fact. I found out uh, I was digging through some old Zentri episodes, which are terrible, from a long, long time ago. And will I be able to get through this light? Yes. And... Um, the very first Zen and Yarda triathlon was called, was published on March 1st, 2005. So we're over 10 years old. If you want to compare that to other podcasts, um, you know, like which one's older or whatever. Um, we were March 1st, 2005. At the time, I knew of no other uh, endurance sports podcasts. I knew of none and I, there weren't very many podcasts anyway. Um, I don't think there was no iTunes, uh, doing podcasts. There was no anything. Um, the podcast directory was called iPotter.org maybe. that was the only one. And then maybe iPickle or something like that came along. And, um, it was called The Triathlete's Garage, was the very first episode. And you could probably go to triathlon.blankner.com and poke around there and maybe find some old episodes or something like that. And that's how I was doing it. So we are over 10 years old. And it used to be called The Triathlete's Garage, was the first very episode. And uh, I listened to the first few minutes of it and... Um, it's pretty much exactly the same show. <laughs> no interviews with pros yet, um, but it was, uh, or industry bigwigs, but it was uh, pretty much the same. Anyway, uh, so I left off with um, the Freebirds. Oh, we're, we're doing uh, Galveston this weekend. And uh, yeah, so doing polarized training allows you to do hard stuff right up until the last minute because you do it just like weightlifting. And um, if you do weightlifting smart, all you have to do is wait two days, three days, and you'll be stronger. And you keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. The, the um, catch is with endurance sports is um, on occasion 
you need to do something long to simulate uh, your long race day so that you practice for that um, and don't mess it up. And you got to take that into account because those long days wear you out and take away from your ability to go uh, longer, stronger, harder, faster, deeper, better. <laughs> but the, um, hold on, coffee time. By the way, speaking of coffee, I had so much fun interviewing Rachel Joyce. First off, I got to say, I knew she was nice, you know, but I've never really met, I've never met her. And uh, I just, I figured she was just a nice person, you know, and, and cool and all that stuff. Rachel Joyce is freaking cool. Like, she's funny and normal and laid back and has a great sense of humor. And I did not know that. And I've learned that by uh, interacting uh, with her back and forth. After our, after our interview, she took the time to thank me for the interview, which shows um, she's very thoughtful and, uh, like me, well-trained probably by her parents to, um, to follow up and say thank you, kind of like with an interview, like for a job. And then, uh, and I thought that was really cool. Her sponsors have got to love her, I think. And then, um, what was the other thing? Oh, and she really thought, she's really digging that coffee video that I found that is, uh, is just so funny. It's on the, it's on the, uh, it's on the Zentri blog under her, um, under the blog post for her interview with me. And, um, and, and she's tweeted for people to go check it out. So that's great. That's, uh, that's how in, in any industry, you know, you, you kind of follow through and, and make friends and, and get to be uh, well liked and I like it there's a truck in front of me that just has stamped on the side on the back of it fish <laughs> um, oh and uh, random no nah, I'm not going to go that way it's too random but the um, had to do with the fish drill team at Texas A&M and a few good men and the Dan Benjamin show um So, uh, recovery from the uh, Epic Training Day on Sunday was, um, I, I was just completely devastated from this bike and run. I, I was just destroyed. And then after a while, um, after like 20, 30 minutes, I was like uh, face down. I was laying face down on the living room floor. And I was like, man, I, did, I went too hard, did too much. And then I thought, no, there's something wrong. And then I started getting a really bad headache, and I go, I think I'm dehydrated. And um, then I also thought, I need to go eat something. I need something healthy. Uh, I have a choice, you know, healthy or crap to help me recover faster. So I went to Freebirds, which you can get crazy healthy food if you want, right? Because you can custom make your burrito. They make it for you right in front of you, and it's just awesome. It's got all kinds of veggies and leafy greens, onions, pico de gallo, guacamole, um, on a whole wheat tortilla and just went on and on, you know, like super, super healthy. And, um, I recovered. Oh, and then all afternoon and into the evening and then overnight I kept a water bottle with me. And every time I thought of it, I would drink water. I woke up many times during the night and, uh, started drinking water. And, um, one of the reasons I could tell I was dehydrated was uh, I started cramping just randomly in my left foot. Just bam, it would hit me. I'd go, ah, this would be like 8 o'clock at night. 
And by the next morning, I was completely rehydrated and felt great and went for a swim and had a great interval swim with almost no uh, lag from uh, the, the uh, really brutal, uh, devastating uh, workout from the day before. And if I had... Um, if I hadn't have eaten something like really healthy and nutritious and a lot of it and drank a ton of water, I'd still be a mess for about two days. And I think that's what a lot, a lot of us do. And um, as you're doing a hard day of training, right in the middle of the training, start thinking about and start planning what you're going to eat afterwards that is chock full of stuff it can be your own version of this, but I ate a big burrito, which is carbs uh, with rice, and but it had some super healthy stuff in it. Uh, beans are really good for you. Guacamole, which is avocado. Um, pico de gallo, which is tomatoes, onions, cilantro, garlic, all kinds of healthy stuff. And, um, and uh, I had them put uh, baby spring mix uh, lettuce on it, right? So, all, you know, all kinds of um, all kinds of really super healthy leafy greens in it. Wrapped it all up, and uh, it was super good, and it totally helped me recover. All right, I got to go in to W to the ERK. I'll talk to you all later. Out, bang. Oh, I just remembered. The, um, the whole thing why I was mentioning uh, Rachel Joyce was um, if you enjoyed her on the show and you liked her, uh, being on Zentry and giving us an interview and talking with us, um, tweet her and it's rjoyce09 uh, or something like that. I think off the top of my head, um, tweet at her and tell her thanks for being on the uh, Zentry podcast and, uh, that you enjoyed it. And that makes, uh, her and people like her, um, much more likely to come on the show again. And it's a big thank you that we owe her. All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right. Hey, walk with me for a minute. I'm back, homies. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. Jesus. Kai called me when he got to school today and said he forgot his bike lock and didn't lock up his bike. So now I'm parking near the school and walking through the little trail here to uh, put his bike lock on. There's my car alarm. And we're going to have a nice little walk. Oh, it smells nice. While Texas, while California is drying up and blowing away, this part of Texas, because Texas is huge, has a, gosh, that smells good. It's been getting tons of rain. Everything is super thick and green. It's really nice. Sorry, California. <clears throat> I know. You're the desert, man. Anyway, all the wildflowers are blooming and they smell so good. I just left the bike shop. That's what I'm really here to talk about. I just left the bike shop and had my rear disc cover. Um, I ordered a new one because my old one was three years old. I keep records on everything. And, you know, when things are installed and stuff, uh, partially 
for my um, partially for my own records, but a lot. But to see how often something fails, to see if I'm wasting money on something, but um, and see how much things cost when I bought them. But also because uh, to defend my purchases against Emily, who will say, "What do you mean you're getting new running shoes?" You don't need new running shoes. You just got new running shoes. And then I'll be like, uh, no, I bought a pair a year ago. And I've been running in these for a year. Here is the date, right? So in workflowy.com, um, I keep a list of bike up, updates and upgrades and purchases and stuff. Okay, we're at his bike. Hold on a second. I'm going to throw this lock on. And... There we go. There we go. There we go. There you are. And so, uh, with the rear disc, I was like, well, is it worth it to buy another rear disc? It's $80, $90, you know, for a rear disc cover and then I looked up when I bought the last one <laughs> three years ago so $80 for three years of disc that's pretty awesome and there's a really good reason to buy a disc cover instead of buying a solid disc wheel is one I think it weighs less I think so uh, two is a spoked wheel has much better ride quality than a solid disc wheel. And then three, $80 versus $2,000 or $3,000 or something like that for a uh, disc wheel. And then four, if you have a power meter in your rear hub, like a power tap like I have, then this is your race wheel. And say you're going to do a race where it's really windy and you want to take the disc off and still have your power and all that, you just take the disc off instead of having to use another wheel. It's pretty, pretty rad. Well, you might say, uh, this disc is uh, a solid disc. is never going to go out of true. And a spoked wheel will. And then I say back to you, uh, not correct, <clears throat> that actually you can buy a spoked wheel, like an old zip or something like that, where the spokes go into the carbon, it's structural carbon instead of just fairing carbon, and structural carbon wheels should not, most likely will not ever uh, warp and go out of true. And it's pretty cool. So how about that? And we are back in the car. I'm getting a little bit anxious because of the race coming up. Because I'm making lists of things I need to do. In Workflowy, actually. And in Todoist.com. And, which is nice as well. And, uh, I've got to clean my bike. And that takes time. I've got most of this wheel cover put on. 
Um, I had to take it to the bike shop and get the cassette taken off to put the wheel cover on and then the cassette put back on. Oh, and I learned something cool. Um, every once in a while, if you have spokes that overlap each other, you know, like a cross lacing pattern instead of just radial outwards, um, every once in a while you should, um, and it doesn't have to be very often at all, you should, uh, with your fingers, uh, squeeze the spokes side to side. Um, or else they kind of become fixated to each other. And uh, when he did that, the guy working at the shop did that. They went, dong, 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 like that. And he goes, oh, you haven't detensioned your spoke or your wheel or something like that, uh, your spokes, in a long time, huh? And I go, I guess not because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he said, no. Um, this, you know. And he said, when you get back on your bike, expect it to keep making some thunking and tonging sounds uh, for a while. Um, but you should do that every once in a while. And I was like, cool. Just learned something pretty new. Pretty neat. Just when you think you know a lot of stuff about something, you learn so- something even cooler. Ah, that's it. So I've got um, packing and getting my crap together. Oh, I had a math run this morning, my last... Uh, run. This is Thursday morning. Race is on Sunday, so you're talking three days away. Um, my last run, no hard efforts, just math. And um, if you throw away the first 20 minutes of that run, which is pretty much warm up, um, the last 35 to 40 minutes uh, was 30 to 35 minutes was um, at math and uh, an eight-minute mile flat, and it was net uphill of about uh, 50 feet, something like that, and turns and running with the dog and all that stuff. So I'm pretty stoked, pretty, pretty stoked. Everything's looking really good. Oh, and I felt really strong. It was a really nice run. felt amazing, and uh, I think that's it. All right, got to go out being. So I'm here with uh, Rockstar kid triathlete Kai Blankner how's it going buddy good <laughs> you're gonna have to do more than one word answers sometimes okay okay <laughs> so we're at the uh, race location the day before the race is it what's the weather like um sunny looks it just rained yeah is it hot and humid yeah I just found out that it might not be a wetsuit legal race so I might be uh, wearing a skin swim skin that Gary, my buddy Gary, lent me. And we're about to go check out the diamond bikes and such because I saw the booth, which looks really cool, although they were really busy. And uh, the line for bike check-in, what do you, how would you describe it? Long and very... Not even bike check-in, just athlete check-in, right? Oh, yeah, very long. It's ridiculous. They really need to get more people. So we're going to go check out some stuff? Yep. Yeah? And, uh... I just got run over by elderly people. How do you get in the way of people like that, Kai? I really do not know. So, um... I was lucky enough the past few years to be a... Or a couple years, maybe, to be an all-world athlete. And they're starting to do, that means you're um, top 10% or better 
So they have gold, silver, and bronze. And um, one of the perks, one of the few perks of being an all-world athlete is you can skip the line at, at uh, athlete check-in. And I was telling Kai, <laughs> if you do anything in the sport, work really, really hard <laughs> to get to be an AWA so you don't have to wait in this line. This is, this is insane. So that's actually paid off. That's nice. And, uh, I wish, but I think, I think the line is just ridiculous in general, and they ought to just fix it. It's even going through the Ironman Village. Yeah, it's going all the way through the Ironman Village, out to the transition area. Like, it's crazy. Anyway, let's go see what we can find in the, um, in the village. I saw one of those profile design new uh, aero bottle bags, uh, uh, bottles, between the aero bar arm bottles. Between the arm aero bottle bag, yeah. That's all the rage. So I finally saw one, but it was on a bike in the transition area, so. and the owner wasn't there. But it looked pretty cool. If they have one out, I may buy one. All right, that's it, out. All right, this is super cool. I'm at the Diamond booth, and I'm here with Eric Link Linkerman. Limkerman. Limkerman. Yeah. No one gets it right. No, <laughs> no one gets Eric's my name fine. right. <laughs> that's fine. And uh, you're on the Diamond with the uh, purple flame, flame job. Yeah, absolutely, the yeah. flame job. That's a... Uh, uh, you got to look fast, and that, that's my goal. Even yeah. if I'm not going to be fast, I have the helmet and the kit hey, to you match. You look fast, yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's cool. really important. I've seen that bike on the internet. Oh yeah, y'all been posting tons of pictures yeah. of that bike. Yeah. And uh, I had the helmet matched. So so you know, where are you from? Are you from uh, here? Richmond, Virginia? Okay. Have you so, raced Galveston before? Nope. First time. I was oh. in New Orleans last weekend. Yeah. And uh, trying to race a bunch this season yeah. and uh, get my name out there. I've got a young daughter at home, so I yeah, my time's limited. Bills. Yeah. yeah. So. Nice. The, Who painted that for you? Uh, there's a local guy, Canyon. Uh, oh, the, the, the best, uh, um, the best airbrush guy in Indiana. Best in uh, in Virginia. You could oh, argue Virginia. the world. You could argue the world. He's really good. <laughs> yeah. Good at what he does. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool. So, how'd you do it? Um, how'd you do it in New Orleans last week? Um, well, it was a tale of two races. Uh, came out of the water with Andy. We we had a swim oh, yeah. bike breakaway. Yeah. Uh, I actually led the first 30 miles. Sweet. Um, but got popped for a slipstream penalty 15 minutes into the race, yeah. and they gave me a red card, so I knew that I had to stop at the 30-mile marker, yeah. so I pushed the pace as much as I could, hoping to get a gap, yeah. um, but boy, five-minute penalty is soul-crushing. That's a long time, yeah. and a half-hour. The first minute, I was sure I was going to make it all up. Yeah. The second minute, sitting there, I wasn't quite sure. A few more guys go by. Yeah. By the fifth minute, you know, my soul was pretty much crushed, so... <laughs> So uh, redemption. Yeah, so yeah, the slips. Yeah. Oh, look at the top tube on that. I never looked down on one. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. It's it looks pretty, like an airplane. Pretty remarkable. Like you know, and the way I look at it, I'm on the fastest bike in the world with probably the fastest paint job. It's a little bit of pressure to keep me honest out there. I can't back off. And actually, some of my easier rides, I'll switch over to the road bike because if I get passed on that, it's. Um, I think it's illegal. It looks weird. Yeah. The. Uh, yeah, you'll like Galveston. I've done it like just for four or five years or something like that. Yeah, it's, and, it's uh, pretty fast and flat. Yeah, fast and flat. Being a bigger guy and being a swimmer, yeah. uh, as long as there's no lightning like there was this morning, it should be a great day tomorrow. You um, know if it's wetsuit legal or not? Yeah, they, they said it was 75, so for you, I believe it is. For the pros, it's not. I think okay. 76 is your temperature. So I'm a good swimmer too. Should I Should I wear what? I got a swim skin. Should I, what should I do? You know, I, coming as a swim background, I always thought that, you know, no wetsuit's good for me. You know, you don't overheat that sort of thing especially the humidity but you can't argue with the speed you know you can pretty much float in a wetsuit yeah the same effort 
you know, in a swim skin, you're going to be just as hot because you're working that much harder. So uh, I always say if you have a wetsuit, you almost have to wear it. Okay. But um, yeah, I was kind of on the fence. I wish the water temp was, you know, 60s and never a wetsuit. No, make it me tough. too. Yeah, 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 make it tough for everybody. Makes it honest, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I brought both just in case. Yeah. Well, and there's some pretty strong professional. Uh, Lionel Sanders is here, mm -hmm. uh, Richie Cunningham, a few really strong athletes. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can put some time into some of the good runners. Uh, Greg Bennett's another one. Richie does a lot of these Texas halves. I think I've seen him win a bunch of these. So he's, he, he's you got your good. you got your work cut out for you, yeah, man. He's, yeah. When he's around, you know he's ready to race. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've grown against Richie a lot. I think he's an awesome competitor. Yeah, he is. He's great. Well, cool. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, how's the bike uh, getting eyeballs here here today? Like, uh, looks like this booth is people. People just come like they walk in front of the booth and just stand here and just yeah, stare. They don't understand uh, what the bike's all about. You know, they see it and they think that it's some sort of novelty, but they don't realize that when you get on it, it feels like a normal bike yeah. and it handles well. And the guys behind it, you know, Chris and TJ and Brad and Matt, yeah. all of those guys, they work tremendously hard and they've really paid attention to detail yeah. so that when you're on the bike, it feels like a normal bike. Yeah. It just once it gets up to speed, man, it just wants yeah, to go. Yeah, there's no, there's no a pillars to yeah, nothing to slow it down. Back. Yeah. And uh, you know, people will come in just for the almost the novelty of it, but then get sucked in when they realize that yeah. it truly is a super bike. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be when I break my bike, it'll be my next bike. So, yeah, I love it. No regrets here. I mean, it's uh, it's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, good luck. It. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All right, I'm at the. Uh, hotel it's at night it's probably 9 15 or so no 9 30 and i'm going to bed racing in the morning it's been a busy evening went and ate i've got a couple of uh user tips for you um went and ate at gina's pizza oh well gina's italian and it's this little uh italian joint that has real food real italian food um if you come here Apparently, they take reservations, and people make reservations, and it books up the entire restaurant. So, uh, And this restaurant isn't, like, used to that. So it stresses out the staff, and uh, while the food is good and you got your spaghetti going, it's still, um, you know, it took 45 minutes or something for us to get our food. And... Um, yeah, the staff seem kind of overwhelmed, and the place is, is uh, really small. So if you make reservations, you'll be good. If you don't make reservations, you might be screwed. And the place is tiny, is not tiny, but it's very small. And uh, you're not going to you're not gonna be able to get it. Just one group of people after the other walked in and were really surprised to be turned away uh, without reservations because you just look around the place and you're like, why would you need reservations to stay here <laughs> or to eat here? Just does not look like a place that needs reservations, and um, so there's that. And dealing with the uh, with the stickers for my bag and my um, uh, helmet and stuff. Um, it seems like they've for this race they've upgraded the stickers, and the stickers are a little bit better than just uh, paper. They're um, there's some kind of cloth, like some kind of fabric woven into the sticker, and it seems to hold it together better. I like it. It's a it's a good move. And we're looking at um, 
overcast, high in the low 80s tomorrow. Um, so it'll be uh, uh, it'll be very humid, but um, not terrible. Maybe I guess we'll find out. And it's getting to be late, so I need to set an alarm and uh, go to bed. I'm probably going to get up around 3:30 or so. Um, I'm just getting tired, and I need to get stuff done. And I'm listening to the You Are Not So Smart podcast, which I really encourage people to listen to. He's a, It's a very, very uh, in-depth, long-form podcast that's excellently done. Uh, just dozens of topics of things that you think are one thing, but then he explains how they're actually totally opposite. You learn so much. It's really good stuff. Love it. And... Uh, yeah, so that's it. So I'm going to hit the sack and uh, check in with everybody tomorrow. Out. All right, I'm in the vehicle early morning with uh, my co-sponsor here. How's it going? Awesome. Yeah. Are we going to Section 12? Yes. What is Section 12? I do not know. All right. I woke up and had uh, two cups of coffee. Last night I went to the grocery store and got the Starbucks uh, medium-grade coffee single packets that you pour into hot water. And I've learned that it's actually not the coffee. It's the hot water that makes you poop. So I got my coffee, my caffeine, and my hot water and my poop in all in one. Two cups of coffee. Bam! Well, a cup and a half. cup and a sip. Boom! Bowels clean. You think that's funny? The bowel's blown out. Nothing left to worry about, eh? And, uh, eh? And (laughs) Kai's got the giggles already. I think this is our turn up here at this light, right? Yeah, I see signals turning. We're driving down the seawall. I had two things of oatmeal, instant oatmeal, and a little bit of coconut milk for uh, for the fat and some fish oil pills. You know, just a daily dose, two pills, um, capsules for my, uh, some fat to kick it off, a little bit of Hornet juice in my coffee, uh, made all my fuel bottles, and we're driving to the transition area, which will open in 10 minutes, and Kai's going to be my support crew, and then my mom's going to show up in just a little bit after she yeah. gets up. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I'm so stoked. We're going to get to see some of the biggest name pros, like, uh, um, Lionel Sanders. I'm trying to make sure I'm going the right way. Yeah, this is it. Lionel Sanders and Angela Nath and Hella Fredrickson and um, Andy Potts and a whole bunch of others. If I didn't name you, I'm sorry. Um, and let's see. I made up all my fuel. going to pump up my tires when I get there. And I'm trying to think what else I did. I got bananas and I've got a Gatorade bottle um, that I emptied out some of the Gatorade and put back in um, just a little bit of the Gatorade and put back in some Ucan for some slower carbs and some Hornet juice and with a little bit of water back in shook it up and that is going to be my uh, fuel before the swim and and bananas just kind of sitting around hungry got some stinger waffles too i found last night and i was kind of excited to see those at the grocery store and um i guess the first thing we're going to find out after a while is if the swim is wetsuit legal or not
and I tried on the Roka skin suit, swim skin, and was, um, which way do we go? I'm going to go left. Swim skin. Sorry, I was trying to change lanes there. Got some dude riding my butt. And uh, doing the swim skin, and um, the zipper doesn't come down. It doesn't have a string on it or anything, so I'm a little worried about that and how that's going to work out. So I guess we'll find out. All right. And we got a little traffic situation here, so I'm going to get off the mic, kind of figure out where, what we're doing and where we're parking. Okay, out. Oh, you got anything to say, Kai? There's a security card. Do you remember yesterday when we drove by the RV full of Germans? Yes. This, this is where we park. Yes. You can't. Yes, it is. <laughs> they were hitting the phone pole. They were tapping on it, like trying to discover what it was made of or something like that. What is this? It was pretty funny. Whole RV full of them. All right, that's it. Out, Bing. Yeah, seven twenty-four. All right, we're back in the vehicle. It's in Tri-Mobile Studios. Uh, did. You can only do transition area so many times before, you know, there's nothing left to do. So we went back a second time just to make sure no one's moved my bike around, that my tires didn't blow up and stuff. And uh, we were watching the pro area. And we saw Angela Nath came in, come in. And um, and I'm actually racked, like, really close to her. So when I was walking back out, I uh, walked over one row and said, uh, Hey, Angela, it's Brett. And um, then I asked her if she needed anything. And she said no because it looked like she was you know, like trying to air up her bike tires or something. And, uh, and it was unstable and she said no. And I said, okay, later took off. Cause you want to get out of their way and not bother them. And I also saw Greg Bennett, which is, uh, I think he's like, I think it was Greg Bennett. I've never seen him before in person. So I think it was him and he is Kai. He's like the most winningest American. Is he American or Canadian? Was that Greg um, that we saw did? The guy that you were talking to? Oh, no, Mark. Oh. A guy from Canada from, I think he said Montreal. Uh, Mark, who said that uh, we were talking to him. And um, uh, he said that eating some carbs, which then spikes your insulin, and then waiting a little bit, and then working out, and then having a carb crash like 20 minutes into your workout uh, is a huge indicator of you're about to get type 2 diabetes and uh so we're going to talk about that more on shows he's going to pm me on slow twitch and we'll talk about it more because i was actually having that um not too long ago so it's interesting and we'll find out more about that i'll be cool on new shows how you feeling kai good you're the seagulls yeah 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 <laughs> all right so that's it i just need to wrap up some stuff and then we'll be hitting the water and i'll come back after the uh race feeling pretty good out being a three loop course like that you get so many cheers so if you're out there cheering it was it was awesome um in terms of our race you know we we had a really strong field this year we had heli up in the front with a few girls and she just blasted away on the swim and the bike and you know that's that's always hard to catch um but i managed to make a few slots i knew that kelly was coming up quick because she's always been known as one of the fastest in our sport for the run, so um, you just had to push hard like like everyone else out there. But it was a great, great day. Um, I hope you guys really had a good time out there. Um, and just thanks for all the cheers. It was awesome.
Thank you, man. I think we should have two spots. So, two or three, I think. Well, I think All right, mail 40 to 44, two slots. One was taken. Only one was claimed. Oh, dude, you got it then. So, we got one roll down. So, it's two spots in total. Esteban Estrada. So, I'm sitting here with Brent. Who got Arthur Mathenson. You said 11? Arthur. We're going to see if he gets the roll down slot. Arthur, no. Alexander McCrowan. Oh, man. Pedro Trinda. Looking good. Jason Beckerman. That's you. Um, All right, men 40 to 44. We got one slot. Anybody want to go? 40 44, come on up. We got one. Woo! Come on up. Anybody that wants to go, 40 44, come on up. We're going to pick the fastest one. Oh, crap. Not the fastest one to get up here. The fastest <laughs> one in the race. Okay. Like five guys all just walked up. All right, Holy so cow. give me your time. 435. <laughs> Anybody beat 435? Did you beat 435? 440 doesn't beat 435. 435. Hello. All right. I'm here with my uh, support crew with a mouthful of water booger. Water, <laughs> water booger. What's up, dude? What's up, homies? What's up, homies? And uh, we just went to the award ceremony, which was uh, super cool. Um, I got 14th in my age group. I got fourth on the swim, 29th on the swim overall out of everybody. And then I almost averaged 23 miles per hour on the bike. I wrecked really bad on the bike. I mean, I just tore myself up. I'm covered. I was one of those guys that you see that's covered in blood on the run. And then pe people go, come on, you got it. Uh, oh my God, what happened to him? Right? And you, they turn to the, and you're like, dude, do not say that where I can hear that because that makes me want to slow down um and we'll cover a lot more probably on the the tawny show is what we'll call it but um we're trying to leave galveston island now and it's uh did you hear that motorcycle guy yes sir i did and um we're stuck in traffic everybody wants to leave galveston and head back to houston on sunday afternoon uh so on the run um, but I've wrecked on the bike right at the last mile of, uh, about a mile left, maybe less on the, on the bike. And, um, that was just, just sucked the air out of me. It was unbelievable. And what was crazy was the two guys <laughs> or several people <laughs> that just went by like with head down and just kept going. And I was like, Oh my God, man. How could you keep going with somebody like wiped out like that? But I don't know what I would have done either. Um, I was uh, I was really banged up, really bad. I got pictures on the uh, probably on the Zentri blog, and um, I cannot believe I did not break my bike. I started to get back on it, and uh, my <laughs> my crank. Uh, oh, thank you, a cookie. And my cranks just spun, and I was like, oh, no. And then it was just that my chain was thrown off, and I had to stop again and then put my chain on. Um, let's see. So on the run, the uh, well, on the, on the uh, swim, I was wearing this uh, Roka suit. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Swim skin. And holy cow, it was so easy. I, was, I won the swim for my wave. And when I finished my wave, I didn't even see anybody behind me. 
And I think, you know, we've got these two other waves or three other waves for my age group. And uh, it would have been nice to um, to have those guys in my age group too. The the three guys that beat me, you know, I could have I could have tagged on and drafted off of somebody, but I had people for the first two thirds of my swim drafting off of me, um, trying to keep up with me. And um, oh, dude, just took my spot in traffic. And um, I wish I had somebody to draft off of me. I had a, on the bike, I'll do more in detail layers. I think of more stuff. What guy? What? Banana. <laughs> we do the yellow car banana I'm thing. I'm ready for it. Dad, I'm ready. I can't. Kai, Kai flicked me in my arm a while, just a few minutes ago, and he hit me right on my road rash. And uh, Emily's all excited. She's a nurse, you know, so she's going to get to take care of me. And Kai did... um uh, race support for me and my mom showed up. So Kai was, uh, there for, told him to stay put. And then my mom showed up. So you got to see the, the, uh, the, uh, start, right Kai? Um, on the bike, I had this guy drafting off of me that I did not like. And I, uh, I pulled over. I got so mad that I, um, I pulled off to the side <laughs> so that he would pass me. And, uh, trying to think uh the the um the the award ceremony was super cool with um they did the pros first hella frederickson had to leave apparently so she wasn't there for the um for that and i was kind of hoping to uh, meet ben powell her fiance and um since uh since hella wasn't there then angela nath got to give the she got second and she got to give the uh, speech. And Angela always gives awesome speeches. So that was pretty cool to see. I got a picture of that. And um, Kai was just talking about the guy on the green bike. Right, Kai? Uh-huh. So that's Lionel Sanders. And that was crazy. I saw him going the other way. I just could not believe it. Wait, on the, the uh, in the lead and then mm-hmm. he got passed? I saw him because the bike is an out and back. So I saw him going the other way on the bike. So on the bike, uh, Lionel Sanders passed going back the other way on my way out. I was on mile 20. So he would have been on mile 36, I guess, if you do 56 minus 20. Um, that's how, how far. I think he was going. I don't know. We'll have to look. But I bet, I bet he averaged 26, 27 miles per hour on the bike. That's crazy. That's amazing. Um, I only had a few people pass me on the bike. Oh my gosh, I got to talk about something. Um, except for when I wrecked, and then I had, um, I bet I had a lot of people pass me right for a few minutes. I have no idea how, how long I was down. We'll look on my uh, GPS and see. Uh, my power meter just didn't work at all, so I had no cadence and no um, watts on the bike. And I think I went a little bit too hard on the bike, and then I struggled on the run. So that sucked. But you, um, you know, that's why you train by feel a lot of times so that, uh, you know, what feels fast and what's, what's, what different levels feel like. So you can execute that way. And, um, Solomon's pro sermon. Oh, the, um, roll downs for, I got 14th overall in my age group in spite of a crappy run, um, 
So I'm running, and I was kind of struggling a little bit, and I don't know, you know, like um, the the shock of the bike wreck. It just stuns you, you know. You're just kind of like, oh my god! And it just happened, like I said, right before the run. And um, I didn't want Kai to freak out, and I didn't want my mom to freak out. I didn't freak out. So I just kind of played it down. But man, it freaking hurt. And they were standing there. They saw me take off. I was like, I'm cool. I'm good. And I peed in the um, transition areas porta cans, and uh, took off on the run. And still, my transition time was less than three minutes. So that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I used your mat. That was cool. Um, it was cool coming out of the water as the first red cap. You know, mm-hmm. that was really really neat. So my 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 little my wave probably like thirty something people was all um, red cap uh, red swim caps, and uh, water was generally generally smooth ish. And uh, oh, on the turnaround on the bike. The winds were uh, pretty strong on the uh, on the way back for a while, and um, I actually thought I had a flat tire because the wind was pushing me around and making my bike wobble a little bit. Daddy passed a female pro. Oh, <laughs> guy goes, you passed a female pro. So towards the end of the bike, I passed a female pro. So I'm stoked about that. I'll take that. That is cool. Um, I met lots and lots of cool people. I met uh, at the award ceremony, did I already say? I met uh, Paul Duncan, so Angela and Nath's husband. And that was really cool because we've been talking a ton uh, by email and whatever. And um, the funny thing is, is they're kind of celebrities, you know, they're, they're pros and stuff. And, and uh, so just say hi and just get out of their way. That's the way I feel. I don't want to, you know, be weird or anything like that. And um, so on the run... I was, uh, I think I was running a high seven and, a, and then eventually a low eight. And I, uh, I felt okay-ish. The thing where you do 30 minutes with uh, no fuel before you start the run is genius. Because your stomach uh, is way better off that way. What are you doing, Kai? Kai, what's that? Some video games? And uh, so I'm running along, and it's unbelievably hot. And um, as we say on Don, on Donnie, uh, Tawny show about a million times, I'm 100, I'm 180 pounds. And uh, so I was running with my water bottle in my hand and poured it over my head, which again I still didn't see anybody else doing, which is is amazing. And um, uh, I was struggling some. And I didn't know, I'm not going to make excuses, but I didn't, uh, I kind of rationalized that I didn't need to kill myself because I need to get right back into training again and, um, and uh, do Ironman Texas in just like three weeks, right? So I didn't want to just totally obliterate myself, run myself into the ground, but um so I just I ran uh, just a little bit above math, and that was plenty hard. So around 150 beats per minute, and I think I did the run in 148 or one. Yeah, maybe I don't know something like that. I, I didn't see what my average was. So um, 
probably an eight and a half minute mile pace or something like that, I guess. Uh, well, I'll do um, official numbers later. And the, um, but at one point earlier in the day, uh, when I was on the bike, towards the end of the bike, I hardly ever got passed by anybody, anybody in my age group. So I was rocking on the bike. And uh, <clears throat> that was that was really, really cool <laughs> to be just cruising along. And um, then I hear, uh, on the left, like that. And this big German guy, just covered in muscles, uh, went around me on the left side. And uh, he was nice and everything. He was just funny, his accent. And uh, I was like, okay, so that guy is, oh, and, and he had like a 41 or 42 on his calf, right? And he just blew by me on the bike. And I, I'll never forget, you know, um, what he looked like because he just looked so powerful and just a big, strong guy. And um, so a little while later, oh, at the very, very end of the run with, um, uh, a hundred yards left to go. He passed me on the run as we're headed towards the finishing shoot. And I was like, oh, and he was running, uh, with somebody else that was running next to him. And, uh, I think a woman and he was talking to her like, you can do it. Come on, let's go. Let's finish, finish this, <laughs> this, I don't know. And <laughs> my German fans are like, what the hell? And, uh, um, I was like, that guy's in my age group. This could make a difference. We're within sight of the finish line. Where I'm talking like, by now, uh, we're down to a few hundred feet. <laughs> or less, maybe a hundred feet. So I just ran. And I'd already been running a little bit harder because it was the last mile. And uh, I ran as hard as I could and passed him um, with the... Um, by mere like two feet or something like that when I crossed the finish line over the timing mats. The only thing you don't know was, was this guy in my wave or not, you know, on the swim. So since I don't know, you know, um, I'll have to look to see if the guy, I got 14th, if the guy that got 15th, you know, has a German name. It's, and I only beat him by like three seconds. Look at these guys. Too fast, too furious, Kai. And, uh, but the downside of that is that that sprint at the end, um, which you you and and my mom said that was pretty awesome, Kai. I looked good, mm -hmm. and I looked good on the run. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Getting you sucking on a French fry. That's really nasty. Uh, and um, don't judge me. Okay, I won't. I won't judge you. So I. Uh, Oh, mommy just landed in College Station. Um, so that sprint at the end, well, one thing is I'm really happy that I looked good on the run. And I was running just math. I'll get to that in a second because um, I have some insight on that. It was pretty cool. Um, that sprint at the end about freaking killed me. Um, I, I almost threw up. I... Uh, got really lightheaded. I had to sit down for a long, long time. And after a while, I couldn't sit anymore. I had to lay down. Um, and my mom was there and she had this giant umbrella that I remember from when I was a kid, of course. And uh, she's, she and Kai are holding it over me. 
And then my mom had, um, what are they, like cinnamon rolls or something? Apple cinnamon rolls? And after a long, I, I would sit back up, and I couldn't even sit back up for um, a long time. And uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to lay back down. And that happened like three or four times, Kai, where I'd lay there for like 10 minutes on my back. And then I'd sit up, and then I'd start to get dizzy just sitting up. And I'd have to, uh, yeah, lay back down again. And um, had people coming over like, are you okay, man? You know, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine. Um, I'm just going to lay here until I, I feel better. And um, then... They were mostly coming over there to look at your veins. My veins? They were coming over to look at my... Dude, you're the best, man. Um, so, <laughs> then uh, uh, a lot of people said, you know, you should go over to the medical tent. And at first, they when they tried to get me to go over to the medical tent because of my... Um, because of all, all the, uh, the bike wreck. I'm just got blood like all over my left side they uh actually wasn't that bad but i got scars wide open wide open skin on my left side and uh they um i was like no i'm not going into the medical tent because when i did iron man texas and i threw up uh at the end of the at the finish line uh several years ago i went to the medical tent and i couldn't get out of the medical tent for like an hour and i was freezing to death in there and then i had hypothermia symptoms for uh, all night um and was just retching from the uh, cold it got me way too cold so i was like i'm not going into that medical tent and because uh, they'll never let me leave and then they said uh no 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 you can, you can come and go it's cool and i was like okay so finally i went in there and i got patched up so that was nice that's not loud or anything Kyle. that's cool no, no, hey, don't, don't, don't. We got listeners. Guys, stop. We got listeners. Turn to listen. So, um, I'll come back on the air with uh, more stuff, but that sprint at the end for that last place was just like, wow, that was brutal. And that really messed me up. That was intense. So, I'm, uh, is that blocked off? Can we not get through there? Holy cow, is there an accident and we can't get on? Okay, I'm going to get off the mic because uh, we got some drama over here. Out thing. All right, I'm back. So um, the other thing was the math running. So I kind of lost my edge a little bit. So I decided to, um, on the run, um, the shock from the accident and uh, not feeling, feeling okay, but just really, really hot and wanting to get back into um, training for Ironman Texas as soon as possible without digging a huge hole. So I, uh, I decided to run kind of just a little bit above math. Um, so I, my math is like 142 or something like that, heart rate. And uh, so I was running around, one. I kept it around 150 mostly, most of the time. And I could tell that if I ran at 140 instead of 150, that I would have just been jogging along with no stress on my body whatsoever and having a really good time. But I was running at 150, you know, because it's a race and I'm trying to go fast. And it's just a it's just a half, not a full. And the um, the coolest thing was realizing that holy crap, if I got good, you know, it, the whole thing with math running is the more you do it, the faster you get, and if I was doing um, 
six and a half minute miles or something like that, seven minute miles easily at math, which is totally possible uh, with a few months of training, theoretically, then, yeah, I could have been running, I could have, I could have got a ticket to Austria for the uh, world champs like uh, holy cow because I was running just above math and it was um, I could tell if I just let my heart rate come down and I just jog that it was um, I was like you said Kai I looked good running right I was just jogging along and uh, having a good old time and um, and uh, the guy in my age group we had two slots to um, worlds and one guy took it, and the other one rolled down, all the way down to 10th place. And Brent, and I can't remember his last name, uh, you heard the audio earlier, uh, got, he took it to go to Austria. And I think he's from Germany originally anyway, so that was kind of cool. And, uh, and he did a 4.32, I think. So I wasn't that far off. So that was nice. All right, that's all I got. How are those chips, man? You just ate a hamburger. Now you're eating chips? You like the salt? Yeah. So thank you, Kai, for Spicy. for being my crew today. That was really cool. You did an awesome job. Yeah, I did. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you see today? What were some of the coolest things that you saw today? The bikes. That... The bikes. So what was your favorite bike and why? Um, the, um, what was his name? Lionel Sanders green bike? Yes. The green that was flag. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that bike really stood out. That was a crazy looking bike. And then um, on the run, what was uh, something you saw that was cool? Anything? The guy that came in first and that, um, well, the guy, he was the first one off the bike and he was way ahead of everybody and then he got passed by like people and he got fourth well, that sucks and he was way ahead of yeah so it just goes to show like positions can change and stuff right yeah so you got to stick with it all right oh and i saw uh, lots of cool people that um that knew me and knew the show and a guy in amrita kit amrita bars kit went up and talked to him after the race was over uh, Wayne, Glenn, ah, oh, crap, I can't remember it. Ends with an N, maybe? <laughs> anyway, that's it. All right, I'm going to hop off the mic now. we got some driving to do. All right, it's Monday, and it's the day after the race. And I went to the doctor and got a tetanus shot. And uh, you try to get a definition, is this going to hurt? Eh, sort of, maybe. You're like, well, what kind of hurt? You know, is it a punch in the arm hurt or turns out it's a burn hurt. <laughs> and they said, Oh, are you okay? And I said, Oh, I'm actually really used to the uh, burn already because on my other arm is where I got all the road rash, which was like skating across a um, hot iron um, with teeth, which was a nice burny feel. And uh, also, uh, I've started. Oh, and they put me on antibiotics because the hole in my knee is actually pretty significant. Uh, significant enough where they were worried about it getting infected. So they said, you know what, we're going to do antibiotics. And the uh, 
the other thing is I've uh, started training, heat training. I'm in Texas is coming up. It's in three weeks. And Tony and I were talking via email about, um, you know, different ways that he trained. A listener uh, sent in a comment, and it's a, um, it's something that I actually already knew about. Is you, uh, you heat train. Not you don't need to really heat train during your training because it'll ruin your training. You heat train when you're not training, and um, but you just do doses of it. My favorite dose is in the car. You can turn on the heater in your car. I'm driving along right now. With the, it's in Texas. I've had the windows rolled up in my car all afternoon, and I uh, just got in the car. I'm leaving work, driving home, and uh, it is hot in my car. <laughs> but it's okay. It doesn't uh, seem to be that big of a deal. And I'm actually, um, I'm actually enjoying it a little bit. And then you just uh, get used to it. Longer and longer and longer. You can do little tricks like uh, not using your air conditioning in your car. You know, whatever whatever rings true with you. Uh, something fun to try to get your uh, heat training going. And uh, let's see. Oh, the race results are in. And started looking at those. Having a nice time pouring through those. And then the year before, see what's going on. That's some cool stuff to look at. Um... My power meter, since my power meter was uh, busted on my bike, I figured I'd go by heart rate, since it wasn't working during the race. I figured I'd go by heart rate, and I thought I would try um, low 140s, low to mid 140s on the bike, because I figured that was hard enough, um, which on the bike is actually really dangerously close to my uh, to my MAF top end, and then... Uh, that turned out, I think, uh, 100% sure that that's what was my uh, struggle on the run. Uh, this year, I averaged one minute per mile slower on the run than last year, and with the same heart rate on the run. And um, but last year, on the bike, I went seven, eight, nine, about average beats per minute easier on the bike than I did on the uh, on the run or uh, on the bike than I did this year on the bike so basically what I'm saying is is this year I went harder on the bike and then end up going um, significantly slower on the run so I went um, the bike speeds bike speeds were almost exactly the same um, but last year we had a tailwind both ways, which is odd, I know. But there was a storm front that came through right as I changed directions. And uh, it's an out and back. And we got really lucky with that. So that's how that happened. And with the tailwind uh, both ways, um, my bike my bike speed was exactly the same. Uh, uh, this year with a headwind one way and a tailwind the other way. So I was obviously going harder on the bike. And my heart rate was har- harder on the bike. So, uh, say eight beats harder heart rate on the bike this year and, um, one minute per mile slower on the run as a result. And it's, um, it's a combination of, um, probably I didn't feel very fatigued at all at the end of the ride. It's more of a, um, unable, you know, you didn't digest the fuel that you took on. 
somebody's honking at me. You didn't digest the fuel that you, you couldn't digest the fuel that you were taking on. I didn't eat very much on the bike um, because I couldn't, I guess, because I was going too hard. And uh, yeah, and it's really interesting to see, you know, the difference where um, you think going a little bit harder on the bike would uh, gain you time. But I lost, let's say, 13. I gained, let's just say, like two minutes on the bike or something like that than I would have. But I lost um, 13 minutes or so, you know. So net loss is like 15 minutes difference. It's no good. Oh, wait. I went, yeah, I went 12 minutes slower overall (laughs) than last year. Yeah, it's about right. So I gained a couple minutes on the bike and then lost a whole bunch. So it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really work out. And for comparison, uh, I've been talking to Angela's husband and um, Paul Duncan, and um, he went like a minute or two slower than me on the swim, and then a few minutes slower than me on the bike. And I think maybe maybe a minute or two slower than me on the bike, and then um, and then ran uh, 12, 13, ran a minute mile faster than me on the run or more. Was able to do it. And uh, then I was looking at Angela's numbers, and uh, she was exactly the same. Um, we had almost the exact same swim time. And uh, she was uh, faster than just a little bit faster than me on the bike, and then just crushed the run. But I don't know their heart rates or what they did during their races. But it just goes to show, you know, you I could have gone slower on the bike and still run faster, like uh, Paul did. So uh, one of the I think it's listed as one of the major mistakes in triathlon is going too hard on the bike. But what is too hard, and what's interesting is too hard, a lot of times, is, how do you know it's too hard? If your heart rate gets over um, 180 minus your heart, minus your age, you're not going to be able to digest food and fuel, and you're going to burn, you're going to burn through your reserves, and then also um, not be able to uh, take on anything at the same time. So it's, it, uh... So you're, you're burning the candle at both ends, and when you get to the run, you're kind of toasted a little bit. That's pretty cool. Anyway, I had those, uh, those thoughts in my, uh, my hole in the body <laughs> road rash update. Actually, it doesn't hurt all that bad. Um, if I sit for a long time, then I get up and move. It hurts. But I think I'm going to be uh, recovering really, really fast. I went to Freebirds today and got a burrito full of leafy greens and uh, ate my sound probiotics and my fish oil and stuff like that, hoping to uh, patch myself up uh, pretty quick. So we'll see. All right, out, bang. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this podcast. I'm leaving the pool and headed back uh, to work early in the morning, listening to the BBC World News uh, podcast, which comes out every night around midnight. It's really nice to uh, catch up on news on a podcast so you can get it when uh, you're listening you're ready to listen 
stuck in traffic or something like that instead of searching around through the radio. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, just loosening up the DOMS. DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. That's when you get sore two days after your um, your hard work. And yeah, it felt nice. I was kind of debating about going swimming or not. I just decided to just kind of loosen up and went for just over half an hour. So half of what I would normally do. And last night, oh, well, let me, uh, let me back up a second. The, um, this morning before I left uh, for the pool, I was having a cup of coffee and I think I had just about the perfect uh, workout breakfast, which would be um, a little bit of peanut butter like a tablespoon of peanut butter and an Amrita bar. And wow, man, felt fantastic. That's just the right amount for me. And um, it's filling, it's nutritious. Uh, Tawny would say, you know, eat almond butter, whatever. Do that if you like. And I was just really, really uh, amazed at how, how good it felt. And yeah, so you can get Amrita bars at a discount super healthy, awesome for you. They're awesome sponsor of this podcast and have been around for a long time and a friend of the show. I'm proud to have them here. And uh, you get 15% off with discount code ZEN, all capital letters, Z-E-N. And they are a big deal. I love Amrita bars. They're so healthy and so good for you, full of good stuff. And they're nut-free. So if you have a nut allergy, these could be your your best, best solution that you've run across in a long time. It's really cool. All right. Um, oh, you can order them at, I think it's amritahealthfoods.com. And uh, yeah, go over there. And uh, you order from them, you're helping support the show. Because then they are like, oh my gosh, Brett from Zentri, uh, we need to send you more Amrita bars. People are ordering them like crazy. And I love that. And I couldn't sleep last night for just a few minutes, you know, kind of woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, one of my dogs barked. <laughs> Roxy the Greyhound, if she wants to go outside, she whimpers and I can't hear it. And then she'll get in my face and bark as loud as she can once right in my face. And it's terrifying uh, to wake up to that. But that's what I woke up to last night and it scared me so bad that I couldn't sleep for a few minutes. <laughs> and I need to stay up so that they'll, um, so Kona and Roxy go outside. And uh, when they're done, I'm still awake to let them back in. And um, I went over to, oh, somebody sent, I got an email from Strava saying, hey, somebody commented on your uh, ride in Strava. And I was like, oh, I wonder what they uh, said. So I go over and look and uh, it said, "Uh, good ride. Uh, You were only down, you only crashed for like a minute on the bike and you got back on and went. That was pretty cool. And I was like. Hey, thanks. And then I clicked on the ride itself and it said that I was on the podium for top three, third place ever for a section of the Galveston race ever. (laughs) And this is only, I mean, it's a select field, you know, it's only people that use Strava, but we're talking ever, not this year, you know, not this month, but ever. And I was like, what? Because they hold races here with pros. And I was like, holy cow, what's going on? And I went and looked, and I think it was like for four minutes or something like that, I was doing 28 point something miles per hour uh, 
uh, for however many miles that is, whatever four minutes is, not very long, not very far. And the other three, there's two guys tied for um, second, I think, and the names just uh, knocked me over. I couldn't believe it. Pedro Gomez and uh, Chris Baird and Cody Beals, which I believe they're all three pros. And um, I, I, it just blew me away. And I was like, wow. And um, it, I took it as a sign of two different things. One thing, I'm getting a whole lot better on the bike with the uh, polarized training. It really does work. And the second thing is I went too hard on the bike. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, happy to be in that mix, but I'm not that good, you know, to uh, do that. I, those guys uh, probably held it, you know, I held it for four minutes. I was up there with them for four minutes, but they were up there for um, two and a half hours <laughs> or two hours. Uh, so, yeah, but it was really exciting. Um, and I think that's it for the podcast. Uh, we got Ironman Texas coming up. Got interviews coming up. All kinds of cool stuff coming up. Oh, and uh, I just heard Andrew Messick about 36 minutes in on the I Am Talk podcast. I was just really disappointed in what he said. It seemed like a lot of just denial um, of reality and, uh, <clears throat> and that, that social media is actually a, um, not as... It is the new... It is a new reality. It is the new place where people have conversations, constructive conversations and such. And uh, trying to do things outside of that, hidden behind walls, is um, is not good. So uh, people are smarter than you think. And they can they can tell. And the, the uh, language structure during the interview was very defensive and uh, um, not... Uh, it was like, uh, I don't know. You have to listen to it yourself. If you know, uh, I don't know if we call it linguistics, but if you know body language and voice language, if that's a thing, and tone, you can uh, you can tell there's something going on there. But anyway, um, yeah, go ahead and uh, stay safe out there. Don't wreck on your bike like I did. I've already been made fun of for wrecking my bike because at the end of every show, I say... Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out. Oh, my God.